All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Oh, damn. Unpaid bills here? What the hell? <laughs> oh, snap, son. Here I am. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode <laughs> of Questlove Supreme. Uh, I'm your starring host, Questlove. Starring me, Unpaid yeah. Bill. Thank starring, you very much. Yeah, Good day. Starring, starring Unpaid Bill. Damn, you, you, you in the house. You, even with even with a, 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 a Tony, you're, you're still with us. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm this close from not, but I'm, I'm here for now. Stay slumming, Bill. Stay slumming. Uh, the, the second you complete your EGOT, you're not going to mess with this anymore? The second I EGOT before you, hell yeah! I'm getting the fuck out! It's called Bill Love Supreme. Fuck it all! I'm taking everybody with me. Fonte's coming too. And he says... <laughs> right? Exactly. Alright, Sugar Steve, you're still loyal, correct? Uh, to Bill Sherman, yes. Okay, just <laughs> all day. All hey, at least day. you're loyal to somebody. Uh, we got Fontigolo in the crib. Uh, what's up, brother? You cool? Oh, it's good, bro. Yeah, I'm good, man. We down 26, cuz. Yes. Nice, yeah. nice. We move, we move, we moving weight, son. I, I, I like the fact that we down 26 actually is a good thing because normally that could mean like Atlanta's down by 26. Or, or you down $26,000 or some shit. Exactly. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. We good. Man, you know, what is the game? <laughs> nah, man, it's, it's you know, it's, it's still trying to be trying to, uh, trying to live past fifty. Yes, oh. which is you know, yeah. struggle, super struggle. Laia, how are you? Hey, I'm good, man. I'm feeling all right. Feeling all right. Yeah. We're good. All yeah. right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what can I say? Our guest is a freaking legend, known to us, of course, as uh, one third of. Probably one of my favorite groups. I don't know. I, I I can't categorize Shalimar as a soul group. I can't categorize them as a pop group or a bookie group. But you know, I mean, because they tr- they transitioned between disco, between boogie, and between new wave '80s pop. You know, they were everlasting. And you know, of course, our 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 guest today is without saying a singer's singer. 
a mm-hmm. real singer um, and an awesome singer. Has had such a storied career um, singing the soundtrack of our lives. Um, I don't even want to waste one minute in in my patented long nineteen minute intros. I will just say, welcome to Quest Left Supreme, the one and only Howard Hewitt. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for coming. You. Yeah, I can't wait till uh, we're off of Zoom so we can have like real hand claps again. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the last seven episodes were all. <laughs> yeah, <just> breathing. <laughs> and that's a, but that's what it's, it's a killer because that's exactly what it sounds like when you're in when you're in like a huge crowd like. Right. Exactly. <sighs> right. Yeah. All right. We'll cool. we'll up the effects for you. Uh, <laughs> how, how how are you today? How, what's going on? Very good. well, man. Very well. Just, just the, like we were talking earlier about, I, I do my um, my daily walk, and I'm trying to stay ahead of this heat out here. It's like crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Really crazy out here in California. Uh, well, where I am, it's different temperatures, different. Mm. Talk about Long, it. Talk about yeah, Long Beach. Out in Long Beach, uh, yesterday it was like 77 degrees. Out here, all day yesterday was like 100, uh, and real field was 108. So Jesus like, Christ! Wait, what? 108 man it was a that's one of those times you just stay in the you stay in the house you don't even go outside close the curtains you mentioned something that this this actually might be inspirational for me mm-hmm. how often do you have to commit to the daily walk I'll admit that um I will often let my work schedule mm-hmm. become become my excuse to get out of it mm-hmm. so I, I've been I've been sort of religious about the daily walk, but in the last two weeks, mm-hmm. I've sort of slacked off on it just due to the scheduling of it. But how important is the daily walk? Because before we were rolling, we were just basically talking about the the struggle to survive, mm-hmm. um, especially for Black people, the struggle to survive past fifty without you know some sort of condition happening. So mm-hmm. you know, like I'm sure I'm certain that most of us that are on our walking thing. Is doing it for health reasons and whatnot. So conditioning, like, you know, conditioning and and for but for me, especially for the past uh, year since the since the pandemic, it was almost like in the beginning of the pandemic, it was a, a spiritual thing for me because it was like it was almost mm-hmm. like God said to me, He said, "I'm going to remove everything from you that can distract you from me." You dig what I'm saying? Uh, me and me and my girl broke up. Couple months before before uh, COVID, you know, my my mm-hmm. partner. I'm not saying that that's why he took him away from here, but he passed like in the beginning, the very beginning of of uh, of, uh, of COVID. I known this this cat since I was 20 years old, and my best friend. Right. So, but through my career, I've gone through you know death, my mom and dad. You know, uh, I've gone through breakups and all that kind of stuff. Some of the saddest times that I spent in my career was spent on stage. You dig what I'm saying? Because mm. I and I had my work. I always had my work. And so, so he said, "No he more said, distractions now." Yeah, and he said, he said, and I'm gonna take that away from you right now. Mm-hmm. You know, poor you gotta deal with some things. And then, and then my next question in my spirit was, "Now what you gonna do?" You know what I'm saying? And so that's when I I did a daily I, I did a daily uh, uh, reading. I, I get up, I read a daily situation. I read. I started from Genesis in my Bible, and went. I'm all the way up, almost halfway through the New Testament now. You okay. know, and 
and all the way and and every day because when I built my house, I had them build a a, a, a deck off of right off. I can I can roll out of bed in five or six steps. I'm right outside on my deck. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So that was my daily devotion between me, God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, and so it, it was like. And with that, I started a whole situation as far as like we were being shut in, but that didn't mean that we had to be couch potatoes. So like when I, I in the beginning of the of the pandemic, you know, I got out on my bike. There's like a 15, 20 mile route that I can take around my crib. I got on I got out on my bike. And then in the middle of that 15, 20 mile route, I decided I stopped to take a break. And I said, well, let me go on Facebook, my Facebook fan page live. Let me go on live for a minute. And I went on there and all these people started flooding into the thing. Howard, Howard, what's up? What's going on? How are you doing? You know, what's happening? Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And so then that told me that people are in. But, you know, and, and, and the thing about this pandemic, about this virus, rather, is that it thrives on it thrived on uh, uh, low immune systems. It thrived on uh, low vitamin D deficiencies, which is which is really uh, uh, heavy in our, especially in uh, with that, within black people. Right. And so, and so like, it was like my, that's what I started when I started, I said, okay, I'm going to do my walk. Cause I do like a four mile walk. And then, and at first I was walking and had my, had my, <laughs> had my phone in my hand. Right. I'm walking, I'm walking and talking at the same time. Right. And then I'm like, I, I wasn't getting any benefit from the walk actually. Cause I'm not pacing myself. So then eventually I, I did in the middle of the four, the four miles after about two miles, I'd stop at a specific place and then I'd talk. Right. Okay. So at first, at first it was FAC dot, dot, dot and life. Right. Fresh air, cardio, all that leads to life. You know what I'm saying? And then after we started talking and I started having these conversations, my my, you know, take on what was happening as far as the last administration was concerned. My take on, you know, the the virus, my take on this, my take, and people were chiming in. Then it became a conversation. So then I added F-A-C-C, add another C, dot, 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 and life. Fresh air, cardio, conversation. Conversation. Right. Which, which adds to communication, understanding each other, and all that leads to life. You know what I'm saying? So so it's almost like now, after after all this time, it's like, I'm, I, I feel like I'm obligated to get on there for my people. So like, you know, the people that have, that have, have dedicated themselves to being there. So I, I have a dedication to that myself. So on top of that, getting, you know, my, my health and, and keeping my health up and keeping everything up, you know, it's, a, it's like, okay, I can, I can take the time to do all that stuff. Sometimes, you know, uh, the schedule will, will like get in the way as far as like, how early I start, how early I can get out there, but I'm always going to get out there. You know what I'm saying? Every day, every day. I'm out there every day. I love it. Even even on the weekend. I don't, I don't come online on the weekend. I don't go live on the weekend, but I get out there and and do something on the weekend. Do a daily show. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. yeah. How are you? Just let it be known that you're definitely the the straw that broke the, all right, (laughs) fine. If you, that's what I needed to hear. Yeah. No, because people have been good on me, like, yo, man, you slacking off, man. You you were committed, you da da da, you falling off, like, you know, my partners <laughs> that I walk with and all that stuff. So they were getting on me today about that. Like, you ain't walked in like 
10 days of marriage. So, all right, I, I now know. I now know that it's, I have it, to. It, it's important, man. It's really important because, you know, you all, you know, all you got, if you don't have anything else, you know, you got and you have your health. If you if everything's jacked up, everything can be going well. But if you don't have your health, man, that's crazy. It's crazy. And and then if, if stuff is jacked up and your health is jacked up, that's like a whole nother thing. There's a whole nother situation. You're absolutely right. Well, I'm brother, you look awesome. Like you you look good, great in great health. That's the sixty five year old goal. That's 60, it. 65, brother. 65. Bro, bro, wow. like late 40s to me. Like, yeah, like for real. For yeah. real. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you still look great. 65. Um, so, yeah, the the uh, question I want to pose to you, of course, is the first question I always ask on the show. Uh, could you please tell us what your first musical memory was? My first musical memory, man, was uh, actually, I would think, Isley Brothers, Sam Cooke, and my grandmother's garage. When we would have uh, the uh, all the holidays, we would we would it would always be at my grandmother, my grandma Fitzhugh's house. And wait, you mean records or in person? No records. I'm talking about records. Oh, okay, I was about to say, damn. I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, you talking about live as far as no, live? no, 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 no. no. Oh. I, 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 I meant just yeah, your yeah, first yeah. musical memory. All right. Yeah, that's my that's my musical because we played. I, I was in I, when I was five years old, four or five years old. I was in charge of like playing the forty fives and stuff, and and they clear out the garage and and put a, a turntable in there, and and we had the forty fives and stuff. So mm-hmm. I remember Chain Gang, uh, Sam Cooke, and Twist and Shout, of course. You know the the Isley Brothers. Isley's, yeah, yeah. I, I remember I did. You know, I did about about uh twenty cities with Ron Isley about some years about six seven eight years ago and usually when i do a show i'm usually i, I do my show and i'm gone or else right. if I, or, if I, or if i'm headlining i get there 20 minutes before I'm, i go on and i'm and that's it i don't want to get there and hang around and stuff and if i'm on before the headliner then i'm gone but with with ron when i was out there with ron and 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 uh uh Izzy brothers and with ernie and stuff man every night I was like in the wings, you know, just like watching because he took me all the way back to when I was like five years old, you know, five, six, seven, four, five, six, seven years old. And then he called wow. me, he called me out on stage every once in a while, man. And that, and that was like, what? You <laughs> all right. Wow. Cool. You know, but that's my first as far as musical musical situ- situation. I think that's a foundation that I had. And then, you know, went into the whole gospel thing. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say that, uh, okay, that makes sense because usually every musical great has some sort of DJ curation experience mm-hmm. before they get into their profession. So that makes sense that you were in charge of the the, the yeah. family collection. Um, all, all, all DJs want to be singers and all singers want to be DJs. I used to hang out with, <laughs> exactly. I used to hang out with Frankie Crocker a lot back in the day. And, wow, oh man, okay. that—that that was one of my best partners. And, and what was he like, man? Was he, you know, because known him as that personality? Was he really out there like that? Oh no, hmm. Frankie. Frankie was the most down, down nigga in the world. That cat, really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. And I remember because when we but first, but he was so proper had, all the time. I heard him speak, and nigger, you know. What I'm 
I want. I said I'm on the Quest Love show. I got to be proper, nigga. Nah, 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 no, you ain't. No, you ain't. Nah, you, you must ain't listen to the Quest I Love show for. Shit, done my homework. You know, hey, bro. Hey, nah, we keep it live over here, bro. Let it go. Nah, yeah. nah, nah, nah. Frankie was down, nigga, boy. He was like, and, and it was like when I first met him. You know, we it was we had a second time around out, so we were okay. doing a lot of the, a lot of the promotion in, in New York and stuff, and and uh, we got to the we got to WBLS, and uh, he wasn't ready yet. So the lady that was the rep that was from the uh, record company, she said, "Okay, while we're waiting on Frankie, we'll go over down to this other uh, I forget what station was Kiss or something like that." That was right? Kiss, uh -huh. yeah. And so we went down there, did the interview and stuff, and then we came back. And like Frankie, we're sitting out in the in the lobby of BLS, and Frankie comes out. And when he walks out, you know, this is tall. I mean, black nigga, man. He's like, <laughs> like fine features, you know. And I remember reading about Frankie when I was like 15, 16 years uh -huh. old, when he got uh, into the into the thing with the payola thing. Uh, so I remember, right. I remember it was like a, 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 a an article in Playboy, and of course, you know, I didn't. I never looked at the picture. Oh, we read oh. the articles. It's for the articles. It's for the articles. Read the article. Proud of you. Proud, proud of you. But but it talked about it talked about his whole ordeal with the payola situation, and the fact and the time that he when he came back after payola, he came back riding up 125th Street on a white stallion. Yeah, that's what I heard about wow. him. Like, he was the really? epitome of class. He was, yeah, he, he was all the same. So like we. When he came out, he, he stood up there and he just kind of stood there, right? And we're sitting there, he said, I got my spies out. I know y'all went to the other station. Y'all heard oh. that. So <laughs> that's, how, that's how we started out, right? So we went in and then he looked at, and he was doing the interview and stuff. And he says, you know, your voice reminds me of Gladys Knight. And I'm like, Gladys Knight? What? Come on, man, Gladys Knight. Yeah, I'm, I'm flattered, but Gladys Knight, that's a chick, right? So. Right. And uh, and so then that's that's how our whole thing started out, and I kind of clammed up on the on the interview because I also heard about the Isley brother interview, the historic Isley brother interview when they got in the fight on on, you know, Whoa. live. They live. I've never heard fight. of that one. I don't I've know about this. Look uh, it up. Look it let up. us they know. Got in the fight live on the air. You know, what that's I mean? a lot of Isley like brothers. Like five on one. <laughs> That was yes. before any. That's five. That's before any of them passed away. So they was all on there. <laughs> all of them. We Chris Jasper too. About. Six. Right. Right. Yeah. Like a, a tall tree. But, like a but check out. So like later on, we said, you know, I saw him. I think because we were there doing the thing. I think it was at uh, Madison Square or something like that. One of those big festivals. And so at the, you know, when I saw him uh, later on that night or the next night or something, he said, look, I got a house, you know, in, in Beverly Hills, you know, up off, off of Benedict Canyon. He said, he said, here's that, you know, that we exchange numbers and stuff. He said, when you're when you're back in town, when you're off the road, give me a call. You come up, you know, have some dinner. I said, cool. You know, that's cool. I said, and so a couple, two, three weeks later, we're going, I'm, I, I'm home and I give him a call and he says, yeah, come on up for dinner. And I'm thinking, you know, all right, Frankie Crocker's house. I know he got ladies all over the place <laughs> in the pool, the whole thing. <laughs> I'll be rolling, you know, and I got up there and it was me, him and his mom, Miss Crocker. And he took care of his mom. And like mm -hmm. from that point on, we got jam tight it was like it was that that was my that was my man that was my man so, so dope man you know yeah he was he was he was not the persona basically i mean he lived large you know don't don't get me wrong and he 
and he demanded his respect as far as that's concerned. But he wasn't some un uh, un un unorderly un you know crazy Wait. To deal with. He had a house in Beverly Hills, and he was a New York personality too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he, he had must that have been house up on house up on Benedict uh, on off of Benedict Canyon. Yeah. No yeah. question, oh, he was damn. the highest played like black radio jock in the country. At the time. So was he doing syndicated back then, or was was it just yeah, he was he was doing he would do I think syndication syndication was just coming in maybe okay not too long after that but uh, but he had he's had that house up he had that house up there for a long time for a long payola, time so, payola, and a lot of things, I was about to say that's what I was thinking the paper. <laughs> maybe you know yeah not. I see but uh, uh, do you do you remember the first album that you purchased with your own money with my own money I don't remember which one it, what it was exactly. I can't say. Uh, back in the day, because also I, be stolen too, just in case you didn't pay for it. <laughs> I'm just saying, people have cops to stealing their first records. Which is yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. But see, you know, I come from my I come from a household. My I have four older sisters. You know what I'm saying? So they. Bought- oh, you're the baby of four women. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So like, what was I that household you know, like? Oh, you know too much. Times I had to. I think a, a, an album, though. I do believe an album that I I would have purchased. It might not have been the very first one, but it's like Parliament Funkadelic and you know all that kind of stuff, like Maggot Brains and and I love that the Eddie Hazel situation. Okay. But, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I take it. I know you were born in Ohio, but I don't know what city you were born in. Akron. Akron, Ohio. Akron. Okay. Yeah. Wait a minute. Okay. This explains it. (laughs) All right. So I know that James Ingram is also from Akron, Ohio. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And I assume that you two were really good friends. 15. I met James when I was 15. Wow. So this is, this explains why you two are also seeing background on PYT together. PYT, exactly. Oh. You know, Aha, okay. Yes. So two, I, was, yes. I, was with, I was with James when, when he got the demo for Just Once, you know. Ah, and, he okay. said, and he's like, man, how are listen, listen to this? Because we live right around the corner from each other at that time. And he said, man, and he said, listen to this. What do you think about this? I said, man, I think that's a cold song. He said, man, this some this some pop pussy right here, man. This <laughs> <laughs> And I said, I said, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's true, boy. Because, and, 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 you know, but see, when Jane, when I was back in Ohio, my group, my group was called Life. We spelled it L Y F E. So Life Jennings. Life when Jennings. Wasn't the, the first nigga to say that, right? Wasn't the first, <laughs> Yo, was first. Okay. We spelled L Y F E, Life Band and Show. And it was like seven of us. And we were like 15, 16, 17, 18. Uh, I think Ricky Parker, Ricky Fletcher was 18, 19 years old. And so our pro- we were protégés of Revelation Funk, which, you know, James played keyboards. And they were all, they were all like about four years older than us. So mm-hmm. James played keyboards and sang background because he didn't consider himself a lead singer, right? And they had this lead singer called uh, named Bernard Lawson. He's still back in Akron now. Bernard Lawson to this day can sing me under this under this 
my desk over here. This wow. this boy, oh, really? boy is, you talking about going from natural effortlessly up into your force? Mm. He had that back, he had that down back then. Tall, lanky brother and like a dancer, dance and sing same time. And it was like, I mean, they were funky. Revelation Funk was funky, you know? Wait a minute. Okay, so what's the name? That's the group that James Ingram was in that he was playing keyboards in? Mm-hmm. Revelation. Ah, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. The ones from, uh, were they, is that in, Bo- in Dolomite? Uh, yeah, so weren't the they band? in the Dolomite movie? I think they, as the, the, Dolomite. Yes. I think they were the Dolomite movie, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Because they that's, came that's... out here, they came out here. Bernard never came out here because he, Lord called him back to the church, fortunately, because there was some crazy stuff that was happening, but... Uh, they had this cat named Woochie Wayne Arnold that came out. Wayne was bad too. I don't know what he's name doing like that. Now. You got to be bad. I know Woochie, Woochie Wayne Arnold. <laughs> what happened and, to uh, nicknames like so, Woochie? So we, so, so we, so we were like nobody they, called Woochie they, anymore. <laughs> but they came, they came out here, and they only stayed together out here about a year and a half, uh, maybe two years or so, and then they broke up. And uh, James stayed out. Dap, the drummer, stayed out. T. Tucker, the bass player, stayed out here. And so, you know, and then uh, the, for James, the rest was history. He started working with uh, uh, Ray Charles and a bunch of other people and stuff and, you know, in the studio and stuff. It, it was cool. Look, it was just good. to get this straight, James Ingram sounded like that at 15 years old. No, nothing has ever changed. Well, he, he was about, when I first met him, he was 19 because he was about okay. four five years older than me. And uh, yeah, I mean, he had to... All that stuff down hard. It's like, but, but he didn't develop it and and really kind of take it out where it's supposed to be until you know until he got until he went solo. So, well, well, wait, uh, one more thing. So, if you were friends with James, uh, were you at all in proximity of his brother Philip at the time when Philip was developing his switch? Because mm-hmm. well, switch Phillip, also has Akron connections, correct? Yeah, Philip. Philip was like Philip was his younger brother. He's, so Philip's younger than me. And uh, uh, Philip's group back in Akron, uh, man, what was the name? I forget. I forget their name. The name we had. We had weird names back there. There was a group called Picket Fence. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> but, but it was like you know. But but Philip was with Raw Soul, I think it was. And I mean, Akron, Akron was an amazing place to grow up, man. And and the rubber cap was the rubber capital of the world at that time. So so middle class was thriving. It was like, you know, it was it was and it, you either did you either did music, you did you worked in the rubber factory or you were a pimp, one or the other. You know, then some cats tried to do all three. <laughs> all right? three, all three. <laughs> but like Pimping, you have some rubbers and sell to you. <laughs> I think the name of Phillips group was raw. So if I'm not mistaken, but yeah, Philip had a great voice and everything. And, and when they came out with switch, I didn't even have a deal at that time. We were, I was talking to L about that just the other day. Uh, Cause every time I listen to L I hear Bobby, you know what I'm saying? And, and right. it's just, it's crazy. And uh, so they came out and, you know, it was like Eddie Fluellen, the trumpet player, Mm-hmm. Eddie and I, Eddie and I went to grade school, junior high, and graduated high school together. So when they came out, I was, I would go, you know, I, I heard they were coming out, Jermaine bringing them out, and so I went and hung out with them at the studio, you know, while they were, uh, while they were recording, I guess, uh, called, I call your name or something like that. And I, right. I would just, 
I would just sit there in awe, just listening to Bobby. He could do that because I, I think it was his false, but that wasn't his false. That was that was his natural voice, just like I was <laughs> listening to L the other night. L's false is his natural voice. That's his natural voice. Right. And so you know, it's 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 you know, it was amazing. It was amazing as far as I was concerned. So yeah, Philip and 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 Eddie yeah, came out when Switch came out. Um, question. I do remember, I think I remember during one of the interviews with Don Cornelius on Soul Train where you talked about you were actually dancing on the show first. Is that true? No. Or were y'all just joking I, with each other? I was never a Soul Train dancer. Okay. Never. Okay. Okay. Dancer. I thought I heard. Okay. Because <laughs> no, it, it, it was said with a laugh. So I was like, wait, I don't know if he's serious or not, but okay. I no, never I, knew if that I, was true. I was dating uh, this this lady that worked for Don and at the Soul Train Dance Studio studios in the office in the front office. Pam and, Brown? No, no, no. This, this her name oh, was Rainy Cunningham. <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Uh-oh. Jesus Christ! I can't believe I'm talking to you right now, Howard. Documentary you, time. You no 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 no. It just hit me. You literally have christened a human being. With my all-time favorite name. I read about this in Ride On. You have a daughter named Rainy Days. Rainy Days. D-A-Z-E, brother. Yo, when I read that <laughs> shit when I was 10 years old, I'm like, I'm going to have a girl and I'm going to name her Rainy Days. Like, it yeah. just, <laughs> wow, that's yeah. crazy. Her mom, you know, my, eventually became my wife. She's the mother of my two older daughters. But when uh, when Rainy was born, Rainy was the only only child that I, I didn't see come out. You know, because right. I was on okay. the road. I was on the road. I had my 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 oldest daughter with me. She was like a year and a half at the time. Right. And so my her mom was so huge. I was like, look, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Lakiva. My oldest daughter's name is Lakiva. You know, which was the name Lakiva K I V E, which is a name which which is a name I, I I made up when I was 19 years old. I used to go to Kent State for a minute. And like I used to walk past Kiva Hall, this hall called Kiva Hall. And uh-huh. I, I would say, I say every morning I'm walking to my first class. And I say, wow, Kiva. Kiva would be a beautiful name for a little girl, but add a la on the front of it. <laughs> Kiva. All right, all right. Make it, make okay, it extra black. Is, that is so black. You, you, names, <laughs> <laughs> you, you got all the names, correct, Bill? I got it. I got yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah. That's you can call me LaBelle anything. LaBelle yes. and my friend LaFonte and uh, uh, Questlove. I'm already lying. Yes. Got you. you. Yeah, so. so like, but like, um, I took, I took Lakiva out on the road with me because her mom was so huge. I just wanted her to concentrate on being pregnant, not not having the, the kids. Right, having it right. So she was uh, having to take care of my uh, one uh, and a half uh, kids. So I took my daughter out on the road with me. So we would we would work at the time, Shalimar. We were working Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So Thursday, I'd, I'd finish the show Monday. Uh, uh, I mean, Sunday, rather, I'd finish the show. Then Monday morning, I'd, me and Kiva would jump on a plane, fly back here to L.A., sit there. You know, I'd take her to the beach, walk her on the sand, you know, all the whole thing, trying to make that baby 
drop, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. so, and after after about three weeks or so of going back and forth, back and forth, I was like wiped out. So we were near Ohio and I called her and I said, you know, um, how do you feel? She said, I don't feel, you know. I said, look, me and Kiva are gonna go to my mom's house and just chill. So went to my mom's house and sure enough, we got there on Monday and like Tuesday or Wednesday, she had the baby, right? So, so uh, we named her named her after her mom. Her mom's name was Rainy, and so um, uh, my partner, a partner of mine, was out. I got him a job working with the group when uh when when I was with the group and stuff. So, one of my best partners. So, you know, he was out on the road with it, and, and like we were <laughs> sitting in my in uh, either his room or my room, and like he said, so, uh, the uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell this is already going to be my favorite interview, man. Herbal essence. <laughs> Herbal essence, yes, Montana. I'm saying, I feel like Howard Hewitt needs to be a permanent member of this debacle. Yes, I was about to say, I think we're going to let, let Howard Hewitt fucking let <laughs> Howard Hewitt. He said, and I and and he said so. You know, you name when you, the baby. Uh, Rainy had the baby. He said, yeah. He said, what? So, what you going to name him? I took the time. I was like, what are you going to name her? I said, uh, Rainy, after mom, you know, said, what's, what's the middle name going to be? I said, well, I was thinking about days. <laughs> <laughs> Does she know this story? She'll know it if she sees this interview. Yo, she, thinks, wow. she, thinks that, she thinks that I was drunk or something when I made it. Yo, the whole man. time you was talking, I was just thinking, I was like, I hope Howard remembers all the stories of how, how his kids were born. Because not for nothing, especially the girls. My dad used to call me every year of my life up until he got like 80 and tell me on my birthday, like, how my conception of how I was born. And it's just, it's just a lovely Wait, thing. Wait, he told you hear. about the conception? Not the conception. I'm sorry. How I was born. Oh. The day I was born. Not the conception, but the day I was born. I'm sorry. Not the conception. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. But the day okay, I was born. Okay. But yeah, say That's those true. stories. You should tell them stories. People love yeah, them, especially yeah. as they get older. Yeah. I was going to say, there there was a 10-year-old reading right on magazine that was really, really hella impressed with that name at the time. I was like, wow, that's the greatest name ever. Rainy Days. All right. Rainy Days. I'm going to do have Rainy Days 2.0. All right. So it's, it's yeah. still in the cars. She, she hated it when she was in grade school, but when she got into junior high and then high school and then out of all that time, she loved it. She loves her name, you know. Nice, nice. Is she in the? Does does she have musical talent? Does she? I have no clue. Yeah. Like what? Yeah, she, oh, she does, sings. She came out of schools, came out of high school, wanted to do, you know, wanted to get into the business and stuff, and so like you know, I gave her my advice, and she, you know, got herself a little job, started, you know, uh, putting uh, putting together her demos, about three or four demos three or four songs that she had got her headshots together and then got herself uh, a deal with this company called Notting Hill, you know, okay. and, um, Notting Hills in, in LA and as well as in London, you know, in, in the UK. Mm -hmm. So she was, they were working on an album together and then uh, halfway through the album, she comes to me, she says, you know, dad, I'm really not into this. I said, well, <laughs> what do you mean Whoa. into it? She said, I'm more interested in what I'm going to wear than the music you know what i'm saying uh, so okay he was into the fashion and for unfortunately the cat the people at at uh at notting hill were cool and they had put a single out in uh in the uk that did fairly well but you know she wasn't she wasn't into it so they let her go and then she got a uh a position with a uh, vera wang company you yes, know vera wang. okay yeah, she okay did, she did that for a while and then so she lived in london for a while 
She went to London. She didn't live there, but she spent a lot of time. Okay, there. I see. I see. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Schmurter to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, I, I do want to know. Okay, first of all, before you get into your entry, um, do you know exactly what the situation was that caused Gerald Brown to leave Shalimar that was your vacancy? Because even with those first two records, I always felt like I, I had – you know, the, the, the first two albums as a kid or whatever. I had the the Uptown Festival 45 and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I never thought his voice blended in mm-hmm. with that group. Well, even even take that, I mean, Take That to the Bank, of course, was a classic song, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I never felt like his voice fit into, he was like, he was like a grown adult. And I always felt like Jody and Jeffrey represented like the kids kids and stuff while he was like a proper adult or whatever but what was the situation that caused him to vacate the group i don't i don't i don't know the specific situation uh exactly what happened i think there was some stuff some questions about management maybe or about 
whatever, because, you know, Gerald had been in the business for, for a while with Soul Train, with the Soul Train gang and and right. uh, coming from coming from Cincinnati. And that first Uptown Festival uh, album, the first uh, that wasn't Gerald. That was this cat named Gary Mumford. So they had. They oh, had, uh, OK. They had, I didn't know they that. Had, they had two lead singers before before me. Right. So it was Gary Mumford on Uptown Festival and then uh, 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 Gerald Brown. Uptown Festival was one of those things where, you know, though back in the day with, with disco and stuff, that's why I, I was never really a big fan of disco mm-hmm. because I always thought it was pretty fabricated music. And, right. um, and you know, I, I was more into the into the band and the real people that did it because you do, you know, they would put together a, 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 you know, a song with, with studio musicians, studio vocalists, throw it out there, see if it made some noise. If it made some noise, then they go and put a group together. And that's how Shalimar basically, you know, formed. So it was like Gary Mumford on Uptown Festival. And then uh, and then he I think he went back to the church, too, if I'm not mistaken. And um, and then Gerald Brown came in. They took him from, you know, because it was Don Cornelius and uh, uh, Dick Griffey, Dick Griffey. Right. Right. So, you know, at first it was Soul Train Records, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? And um, so they brought Gerald Brown in and then they did take that to the bank. They were out in the middle of a promotional tour. I was working with this cat, uh, uh, Jeffrey Bowen, at the time because I, I I was with a group. I, I was with a group down uh, that was formed people uh, that was formed by the people in uh, uh Jeffrey Bowen, yeah. Jeffrey Bowen produced a, a song for you by The Temptations, right? Yep, and a bunch of comedy yeah. stuff. Did Don Bonnie Pointer was his lady, and he it was, was his wife, right? Don Bonnie Pointer was his wife, yeah. and yeah. wait, did he? Didn't he produce? Uh, I think he co-produced with George Clinton two songs on uh, guitarist uh, Eddie Hazel. Eddie Hazel's record. Eddie Hazel. We were, we were. Well, we were. I, he had hired me because I, I was. Um, this girl Tammy Gibson, who used to uh, sing for Stevie and Wonder Love, okay, she, she was looking. She came looking for me because I, I was with a group that ended up. We ended up overseas uh, for about a year and a half. This show group called Beverly Hills, right? And uh, the people at Mavericks Flat down in the Crenshaw district, John Daniels and and uh, Alonzo Daniels, his brother, they put together show groups and stuff. So this was one of the groups that they put together. We ended up touring overseas for about. You know, little, about a little less than a year and a half or so, and I was making like two fifty, three hundred. What year is this around? This is like seventy seven, seventy seven, because I brought seventy eight in, uh, seventy seven. Uh, at the end of seventy seven, I was in Helsinki, Finland, which was the first gig that we did, and then we went to Geneva, Switzerland, and I remember right. that because I brought we brought seventy eight, nineteen seventy eight in, in Geneva, Switzerland. And then we went on to uh, Benidorm, Spain, uh, Saint-Tropez, France. We were all over the place. I was making 250, 300 right. a week. You know what I'm saying? But I was having mm-hmm. a ball. I was like 22, about 22 oh, years yeah, old. Yeah, he was getting it. Oh, I'm yeah. pulling out my uh, inflation calculator again, dog, just to see. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> just to see. So when, you, when you're saying the show group, you're saying in terms of like uh, – you guys, because I think Heatwave was in sort of in the same situation where they were perform on like army bases or clubs mm. of the day. Is that the same situation or? No, we never did army bases. But when I say a show group, I mean like a top 40 group. You know what I'm okay. saying? Yeah. We, did, we did everything from Disco Inferno to Mandy. You know what I'm saying? You did. Those are still like, around today. So, yeah. And it's like 
and like you know did you know afternoon delight all that kind of stuff you know <laughs> it was like you know it was my stuff soul stuff and- exactly it, we didn't do any original stuff it was just it was just and it was like you know so but wait by the way guys uh 250 back in 1977 was 1000 <laughs> 1087 and 86 cents by Real 2021 money. today that was, that, that was good that was cool money i wish i would have felt that then i came back after a year and a half with about five hundred dollars that was it <laughs> <laughs> but um but so you know so like i came back and 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 all the at mavericks flat was a, was a really interesting place where that on the weekend it was a, a club and on the weekdays, that's where we rehearse. We would rehearse a band. And anytime we had a show that we wanted to try out on people at uh, a live audience, we would play at Mavericks Friday and Saturday night. And so it was like, you know, I mean, Mavericks was interesting in that you can look out in the audience at any time. Shaka Khan would be sitting out there or Lionel Richie when he was with the Commodores or Richard Pryor hung out there all the time. And it was, it was just, it was just a a great place to like cut your teeth as far as like, you know, uh, the way that you do your show, the whole thing. And, uh, and where was that located? Crenshaw, right? Crenshaw and Stocker, right on the corner of Crenshaw and Stocker. So this point in Crenshaw, because I also know that, wait, was Total Experience also a club on Crenshaw as well? Total Experience right up the street. As far as the black clubs are concerned, you're saying that Maverick Flats and Total Experience and like, what were the other nightlife options for black people to go to? Strawberry Hill uh, was a club there. Um, I, I, I don't know a whole bunch of clubs around there but because I hung at Mavericks all the time. You know, it was like I had a key to Mavericks at one time. So, you know, that was my that was my hang. That was my hanging spot. You know, so there's other guys and dolls, I think, was a was a club, but I think that was a little bit before uh, I got there, you know, guys and downs, but I'm not, not really familiar with a whole bunch of the clubs over there. So you're saying that if you, if it's 1977, 78, 79, and you're a black professional, uh, chances are like you're hanging in on Crenshaw Boulevard Mm -hmm. at a club. So we weren't really doing like West Hollywood back then or, (laughs) No, I didn't do a lot of West Hollywood back then because that was like I got to I got out here to L.A. in 1976, you know. Okay. And uh, so I I hooked up with the people at Mavericks about two about two months after I got out here, you know, and we and John Daniels told me what he what what he was what he wanted to do. He had a he had a a bunch of show groups and one of his main show groups was this group called the the Love Machine. It was like seven. Oh, Seven fine, fine. What Kathleen Bradley, who was the first uh, black uh, uh, model on The Price Is Right, she was in. Oh, oh Kathleen, yeah, Miss Parker, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, Miss Parker, Miss Parker so- from, uh, from Friday, yeah. yeah. So she was in. That's where she. Shut up, Bill. <laughs> Bill's losing his mind right now. Miss Parker, <laughs> right. She was banging. Yeah, she is banging. She is. And uh, <laughs> he's done. He's done over there. It's yeah. like, man. So yeah, she she was in she was in love, uh, the Love Machine and six other beautiful women. They and they were, went all around the world. When I first went down there, the cat T Tucker that played uh, bass for uh, Revelation Funk. Like I said, at that time, by that time, they were broken up, and T was playing uh, for the Love Machine. 
And I called T one day. I said, I got his number. I called him. I said, yo, man, I'm in town, blah, blah, blah. He said, man, come down to Maverick's flat. I'm rehearsing today, you know, with I'm playing with this group called Love Machine. So me and my cousin went down to Maverick's flat and stuff. And and uh, they were rehearsing at that time to do a showcase that night for Tom Jones because they were they, Tom Jones wanted them to open up for him. Oh, yeah. So. You know, that was how um, that whole thing came about. And and then we started putting the group and stuff together. But I was working there, went overseas, came back from there. We broke up the group. Beverly Hills broke up after about a year, a little less than a year and a half over in England. And I came back and I started kicking around L.A. And then that's when I hooked up with with uh, uh, Jeffrey Bowen, you know, to uh, mm-hmm. he, was, he was doing this album, this solo album on Eddie Hazel, you know, and he Please said, describe what, the, what Eddie Hazel was like. I've, I, besides George Clinton, I really haven't gotten a yeah. straight story about Eddie Hazel. He was, he was a an interesting cat in that you really couldn't get a good feel for Eddie because he was, he was, he was high a lot of times. You know, he was, mm. a, he was like, you know, an amazing guitar player, maggot brains. That's Eddie. You know, right, Eddie yeah. Hazel. And um, but he was he he I mean I just, I used to smoke weed but he used to smoke weed you know what I'm saying G thirteen okay we all know what that means we all know you, you come back uh, yes <laughs> you know so but but he was cool I mean real cool real cool brother but um, so, so but you're saying that Eddie Hazel once potentially had a deal on Motown Records that fell through. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it fell through Man. because uh, they were they you know Eddie um, Jeffrey was producing it and then uh, we we were working because after I came like I said Tammy came and got me because she wanted me to do this she was she was contracting the uh, backgrounds for mm-hmm. films that they were doing so I went in and did the sessions me Tammy this girl Kathy James I forget I think that was her name and we went in and did the session. And then after after we got done with the tunes and stuff, Jeffrey Cone, Jeffrey uh, Bowen came to me. He said, "You know, man, I love your vocals. I love it. This is going to be a self-contained situation. So, you know, I I love for you to be a part of. It. It's going to be you, Tammy, and the girl that we were working with." And I said, "Cool. You know, that's that's great." He said, "I can get you in." He said, "We can start working on the contracts. You know, but I can get you into the union tomorrow, right?" And right. I said. I said, cool. Okay, cool. So next day I joined AFTRA, you know what I'm saying? And all just checks and we started and it was like we I wasn't contracted yet, you know. So if you're an uncontracted artist, you have to get paid from the time you walk into the studio to the time you walk out of the studio. So Jeffrey would book book the time for like eight o'clock, you know, in in the evening. He wouldn't show up for whatever reasons. I don't know until right. midnight, and then we would work till about, you know, about four or five o'clock in the morning. So that's like eight, nine hours, you know, at about 130, 140, whatever the scale was at that time. If you were doing a solo or, you know, inflation a calc, inflation calc. I, mm-hmm. It's a lot of money, Bill. It's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a, a lot, lot of money. money right there. So that sounds like that's yeah. So like you know, but then after about working about a couple months. You know, started getting kind of flaky. You know what I'm saying? Kind of shaky as far as right. like the checks weren't re- weren't reflecting the time that we, you know, uh, that we were in the studio. And so then I called a meeting. I took my lady. I took my lady to 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 work. She worked at you know, like I said, for Don 
down at the Soul Train, uh, Soul Train Dance Studios up in West Hollywood. And I took her, dropped her off at work, told her I'm going to the Motown building to have a meeting, right? So I'm sitting in a meeting on the 15th floor. And I'm like, you know, y'all giving me the Motown running around, blah, 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 you know, blah, 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 getting all this stuff off my chest. And the phone rings, right? And this guy, mm-hmm. Angelo Bond, was his co-producer. Angelo answers the phone and he looks at me and he says, uh, it's for you. I said, it's for me. I said, if it's my lady, tell her I'll call her. I'll call her back, right? He right. said, well, not a lady. And it sounds like it's long distance. That was before cell phones when you hear the crackling on the right, phone. Right, right. <laughs> he said, well, you know, it's $9 a minute. <laughs> <laughs> he said, he said, it's not a lady, it's a guy, and it sounds like it's long distance. So I take the phone, and it's Jeffrey Daniel, right? Oh. They were in New York at the time, in the middle of this promotional tour. Whatever it was that they got into an argument about, I never, he, he said, he, he told me something, I forget exactly what it was, because I really wasn't interested in why this was happening. It's like, what are you, what are we getting to as far as like this phone call? And uh, he said that, you know, that Gerald Brown, that Gerald said, hey, when y'all can see it my way, give me a call. And he jumps on the plane and leaves. Oh, they're in the middle of a promotional tour. You dig? And so, like, he says, I know, you know, because they Mavericks flat. All the Soul Train people used to come down to Mavericks flat all the time. Okay. I first I first met Jeffrey and Jody before Shalimar at Mavericks flat. Right. And say so they used to come there and they used to show they used to see the show that I did with Beverly Hills there. Right. All this three degrees of separation is crazy. You know what I'm saying? So they saw the show. Jeffrey, before before Shalomar even existed, Jeffrey had told me, man, I love your vocals. I said, well, I love your dancing, man. You and Jody, I used to watch them before I even left Ohio on, on Soul Train. I see them dancing. Right. And, wow, that's that's great. That's great. So he says, I know we, you know, we, I know you know that we formed Shalomar, blah, blah, blah. We got to take that to the bank out there. We're in the middle of this promotional tour. We want to offer you an equal position in the group, you know, as lead singer. And I said, I said, well, okay. And then he told me all this stuff. And then he says, you're at the Motown building, right? I said, yeah. He said, where are you? I said, I'm up on the 15th floor. He said, well, Solar's offices are down on the ninth floor in the same building. And we talked to, and we already talked to Dick Griffey. And he's waiting waiting for you to, you know, for, for you to get in touch with him. So like, you know, so he talked a little while longer. I get off the phone and I tell Jeffrey Bowen and I tell Angelo Bond what to do. Oh, no. <laughs> I said, what? And there's a Daniel says, man, Shalomar's just a fly by night disco group. They'll never amount to anything. And then you don't want to get involved with Solar. You're, 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 you got the potential to be with Motown, you know. And then, and then Jeffrey started talking some stuff. And I, when things like that happen, I have a tendency just to kind of sit back. And ever since I was a kid, if I did, if I, if I had to think, you know, I want to sit back and take in everything that they're saying. So I'm listening. And when they get done, I said, well, my car is parked on the street. I need to go put some money in the meter. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I went down to the ninth floor, got in, talked to Dick. This was on a Friday, right? And um, and Dick reiterated what Jeffrey, the offer Jeffrey made. And uh, I said, I told him, I said, no, I'm re- really interested. I said, but I got to give these people upstairs a chance to rectify themselves. Because even though I didn't have contracts, 
my words were still, you know, worth what more than word? contract, right? right. Yeah. So I called them and told them, look, I'm going to be home. If you guys want to rectify this thing, let me know. Call me, right? And so all night, Friday night, nobody called. Saturday morning, I called Dick, and he, I went over to his house, watched the videotape of the Shalimar show, and then I was sitting in this rocking chair, right? I remember I watched the show, and I was sitting in this rocking chair. The show goes off, and Dick says, well, sing something. You know, Jeffrey and Joey say you're a great singer. Sing something. I said, I said right here, acapella. And then, you know, he said, yeah. And I said to myself, I said, well, Lord, you know, me and you. So I broke into <laughs> I broke in the field of fire by Peebo Bryce. Ooh, acapella. Yes. Something that's told me, you know, and, and just, yeah, and, and <laughs> got through the first verse, half the hook, and Dick says, okay, 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 I'll be right back. And he goes upstairs, comes back down. He has like, goes in one pocket, he has some cash. He said, here's some cash, you know, leave with your old lady, pay some bills. And he went in the other pocket and brought out an airline ticket, and that was pre- 9-11, I could ride on your ticket. You know, I could ride on, you could <laughs> right. ride on my Hand ticket. Write it. Mm-hmm. I could ride on, yeah, you didn't have to have a specific name. He said, here's the airline ticket. You got to be on the red eye out tonight. Meet the group in New Jersey tomorrow. As they move from New York to New Jersey. He said, meet the group in New Jersey tomorrow. He said, Cause, and, and uh, go over the lip sync and the choreography of take that to the bank. He said, because Monday you got a TV show to do. And wow. I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, being from Ohio, the thing about Ohio is that the prerequisites as far as our being from Ohio, you got to be cool about everything. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, I'm like, okay, okay. You think you can handle it? Oh, sure, I can handle it. And so inside, I'm like, I got a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to ask, what was Dick Griffey like, man? There's been, yes, like, a lot please. of stories about let him. Me, let you know, me what add was, on to that, Fonte. What was your experience? Let me add on to that, Fonte. Howard. We've we've asked at least seven people this question, yes, yes. and they kind of glide by the situation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know I know the brother's not here right now, but can you give us a real, real in quotations, Dick Griffey situation? Uh, Please, Dick. Dick was a uh, was a very should I say complex character in certain ways, but very direct in other ways. And then okay. as far as like, you know, he used a lot of under the thumb type of tactics to keep things, you know, in intact as far as his. So, but that was his thing. That was how, that was where he came from. For instance. Uh, for instance. All right. All right. Without, without you compromising your position. I don't understand. Is it really um, this scary? Were there any buildings with balconies on them that got utilized? <laughs> No, My office hours think, are from nine to five. <laughs> yeah, no, I, don't think, I don't think that happened with Dick, you know, with the five heartbeats situation, uh, <laughs> you know, but, but uh, I, I've heard of certain situations with uh, other characters uh, who we won't, you know, go into mm-hmm. right now also mm-hmm. doing that whole thing. But I don't think Dick ever, ever did that type of thing, but he was, he was, he, he was, a, you know, he was a gangster, gangster type of cat, you know, and, and, but he respected, if you stood up for what you, you know, stood for, you know, 55 you, minutes is the first time you stuttered. Huh? 55 <laughs> minutes. We've been talking. It's the first time you stuttered. Because, because you want to be, 
because you I gotta be careful. Yeah. I get it. I get no, it. No, respectful. I but, get it. I just yeah, because you want to be because because I I have I have much respect for it because Dick, thank God, you know Dick was a vehicle that was chosen to get my foot in the door. You know what I'm saying? Nice. And and as long as you you know once you get your foot in the door, it's up to you to to put to open up the door and get in there. Okay. So like you know, I appreciate the the uh, opportunity that Dick presented to me and 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 respected him you know immensely and and miss him dearly now but you know i mean we had our drag knock down drag out fights man and and it was like you know when if i felt something if i felt this was not the way that this should be he really he really didn't like me going out and 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 working with people like quincy working with people like uh um uh other other producers and stuff because then i could see you know how it was really supposed to be done right. and how the and how the the real the, business looked like the business mm-hmm. was supposed to be done and he he didn't like for me to do that but i was going to do that when i work with stanley when i work with george yeah you know, george duke yeah man yeah and and all those and, and and like i said quincy and you know so i could see how that whole thing was supposed to go down you know and as far as financially everything is concerned so it's kind of like a you feel like it's kind of like a a a learning process and he was the beginning of the learning process because i was wondering when you got excited about getting a job and everything at that moment you don't wonder well what do i have any say in the songs that we sing and you know like all the the business stuff that like in retrospect you may have but at the same time didn't have it at that time yeah Yeah, well at first at first i didn't want to have any say as far as songs were concerned because because my whole thing was like I want to learn. I want to look at it. I'm not. I don't want to come here acting like I know what I'm doing, because I had never been in a recording, a, a real recording studio at all up to that point. You know, mm-hmm. so like you know, and 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 Leon Silvers. You know, like you know, it, it was like a learning process. I I saw how he worked. I saw how his uh, his crew worked. His crew of writers, Will Shelby. Uh, Kevin Spencer. Kevin Gavin Spencer. Yes, indeed. And I, and I would sit back. A lot of times I would sit back. The first song that I really participated on and in participating in writing and felt comfortable enough to present it to them as far as the writing was concerned was for the lover in you, you know? Wow. And, and so, nice. yeah. So like, you know, that was me and Dana Myers. And like, so, I mean, we had a thing where we reprint, uh, presented to the people, to his his crew, his stable writers and stuff. And they would say, ah, no, veto, you know, or, or yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was like, it was, it was a learning process for me. I, I didn't want to jump in there. Oh, I know what I, I want to write down. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I want a lesson that a lot of the youth get you hear. So that's why I yeah. wanted you to tell us. So let me, let me ask then. So with, so your first album with is Big Fun, correct? Big Fun album, right? Uh, I'm, I'm, I got it. Okay, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, the Dolphin record. Um, <laughs> no, right. They were killer right. whales. They were killer whales. Okay. <laughs> Wait, those were killer whales? I thought they were Dolphins, too. I, mean, Wait, I, I thought, thought they were Dolphins. No, that's right. They are black. So. They are killer whales. Right. Actually, they were barrels that we were sitting on, and they superimposed the killer whales. <laughs> <laughs> Barrels, okay, okay. Fancy from back there. That um, was a classic moment. So <laughs> with <laughs> barrels, okay, with big fun, yeah. So walk us through the process of one. Like by this point, when you're doing big fun, how long have you been in the group? What's your 
gelling situation. Now, uh, complete disclosure, I'm probably the only human being on earth that has not seen Unsung. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've heard it might have been a tense episode. I don't know. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of asking you this, you know, from the total naivete of not knowing what the situation was. But Mm -hmm. what was, how long was it before, after that New Jersey first gig with them until you started recording Big Fun? And what was the gelling situation like with you, Jeffrey, and And Jody? Jody. Jody. It was, you know, because when we first, when I first got there, we were like thrown together, you know, when I first got to Jersey and we were, you know, we, I was in all day Sunday. I was in a, in a, uh, I forget it, it was either Jody's room or Jeffrey's room. I forget, but it was crammed into, you know, like uh, learning the lip sync. I had I'd studied the lip sync, you know, while I was flying across country and, and then learning the choreography because I'm used to singing. I used to da- I'm not used to dancing. I'm a singer, right? So, you mm-hmm. know, that the choreography. And so then we, we got that together. And then we continued on from uh, the rest of that uh, promotional tour, which if I'm getting out, I'm trying to get, I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm even trying to get the timelines together. Cause I'm, I'm writing a book. I want to write my book, you know, so mm-hmm. I need to get these, get these timelines together myself. So when I got, I, I think I got there in New Jersey, it had to have been winter time because I had to, I had to buy an overcoat cause I didn't have an overcoat. So I went to this, this uh, clothing store in New Jersey. I think it was called heaven on earth or something like that. And, uh, <laughs> And bought this overcoat, you know, so so that was so it had to have been like about maybe November, uh, November, uh, September, October, November, December time. And then we finished up that promotional tour at the Copacabana, you know, at uh, uh, in New York. And then as soon as we flew back to back to L.A., which was the beginning of 79. I believe, because it was 78, yeah, the beginning of 79, uh, we started immediately uh, recording the Big Fun album, went in and and started uh, putting that whole, the, whole thing together. And it took us, it took us, you know, uh, four, five, six months or so, four or five months or so to do the whole album. Mm-hmm. And then, and then uh, we put, then we put, uh, so we went, so that takes us into, towards the, end of 79 you know the middle mid towards the end of 79 and then put second time around out there and second time around at first was kind of creeping up the charts you know what i'm saying but it right. wasn't it wasn't until we did a remix that back then though that's when remixes were real big you know what i'm saying 12 so, inches yeah and 12 inches and stuff so i forget who did the remix we did a remix on it put it out there then it like screamed up the charts so like that was towards the end of end of 79 into 80. You know what I'm saying? So it was like from that time, then we had a hit record in 80. Wow. Uh, can you describe what working with Leon Silvers is like? Um, yeah. And do you have any do you have any uh, big Fred Lewis stories to go with it? No, I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> no, I'm... <laughs> it was like no. I, I, I know that at one point, you know, because Leon is like a stickler for backgrounds and stuff like that. I mean, mm-hmm. just like stickler for backgrounds and like i remember going in there one time and there was a part i was supposed to be doing that day 
And like he, we started out, I could tell it was going to be one of those days where like, uh, uh, that's good. It sounds great. Let's do it again. And then he's like, you know, and I, and that after about, after about 45 minutes or so, I said, Lee, I said, man, I, I can't do this today. Let's start again <laughs> tomorrow, man. Oh, he, said, he was a task. He was just a taskmaster, like hard. I mean, Crack I mean, grip. Yeah. phrasing, you know, and, and when you talk about Howard Hewitt's sound, I I would give a big portion of that the kudos up for to Leon for helping me wow. develop the Howard Hewitt sound. You know, I had my sound, you know, going from the fall, uh, natural to the false, you know, before I left out of Ohio. You know, when I was a kid, I developed that in my mom's bathroom with all the all the tile and everything with the, you know, built in reverb that you got in the bathroom. So I developed that natural going into the force back then, but he helped me develop that other like sting, like stickler, as far as phrasing is concerned, you know, looking at, at every nuance, all those ad libs that you think are ad libs on there, on mm-hmm. those phones, there ain't no ad libs. We, we, we thought that stuff out, you know what I'm saying? Wow. Okay. Put it, really? put it there, put it here, put it there. Yeah. Do you remember like a, a moment, a time when that when that happened when you thought, all right, I don't know about this, but like, mm-hmm. like, nah, you gotta you gotta do that, and it worked crazy. Yeah. Well, well. Oh yeah. yeah I know those, it worked every time, but like those type those type of things was like, are you sure that's that that's gonna yeah. work in there? You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just do it, you sure. And that boom, 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 and it just fell right in place. It's like butter. Do you have any memories of recording? Because like two of my favorite Shalomar songs of of all time. Over and over, uh, and yeah. let's find a time for love. Over you remember those sessions? Yeah, oh, I, I I remember over and over like it was like yesterday because that was when I was the only one in the group, basically. You know, yeah. Jeffrey and Jody had already split, so like at that time, I wanted to do uh, I wanted to do my solo thing, but Dick says, "Well, you know, you still got two and a half, three years left on this contract, so you either got you either going." do it you know go just sit around and ride it out go to court you know or move to england or wherever where jeffrey and jody moved to or else you can do another you know another album and so of course i hate court i don't like court you know of course it's like of course like the court's like a nightmare vegas you know what i'm saying you just right. throwing the dice, you don't know what's happening so so like you know but we recorded that over and over at that time did the video and that whole thing that was when in the videos like me and mickey free you know me mickey mm-hmm. leon in that video and uh and let's time let's find the time for love was that the song you said let's time yeah that was it yeah let's find the time for love yeah that's like, that's not on the look is it is it time to time to love. yeah yeah that was uh, uh was that i think that was on three for love let me let me hold up let me yep. yeah no 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 it yeah. wasn't it was on is it on friends no, I think it's gone. Uh, Fonte, let me find out that you're a fan of Go For It. Yo, like on the low. <laughs> Why you bullshit? Go for come it. on, man. Like, Yo. I know you're a deep cut cat, but come on, dog. <laughs> hey, man. I, I rock that album, dog. Yo. Uh, God. Here you go, man. All was right. It, was Find the Time for Love? That wasn't on Go For It, was it? Nah, was it? It, was, it wasn't Friends. God, I, I mean, I what album? album that um, that was a beautiful uh, thing. Time for Love is just a beautiful song, man. It's just a beautiful it really, song. yeah, it is. I love it, that record. 
But you tell yeah, do you remember recording it? Do you remember like recording that joint or like that mm-hmm. session? I don't I don't really really remember anything that stuck out in my mind about recording except that it was just a da 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 dee da Damn it, now I'm looking for it. Yeah, yeah I'm I can't find it. Was that on? Was and it? the thing and the thing that that really that really stood out to me as far as that song was concerned also was just the combination of me and Jody Wiley, man. It was like it was on Big Fun. It was on Big Fun. Big Fun. Oh, that's why I was Big Fun. That was the first album. Yeah, I think that was the first time we really realized the the magic that the combination of our of our voices really uh, uh, projected out there. It was it was, you know, the the com- the, the timbre of her voice and my voice together, even on the background situation, was like amazing. Amazing. Nah, that's so, a gorgeous song, man, and great yeah. performance by all of y'all. All right. I, I don't necessarily want you to throw him under the rug, um, <laughs> but can you answer two questions for me? Because, you know, I, I, I just got to know, because, again, like, <laughs> it's also my perception of Shalimar coming from a 10-year-old, but <laughs> every time I turn around, like, Jeffrey Daniel had a guitar in his hand, but I don't recall him playing guitar. Was he always <laughs> air guitaring? <laughs> well, he he was air guitar and some sometimes, but you know he knows how to play. You know he 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 really stuck to it, and and he really he can he can play it now. You know what I'm saying? He really knows how to play it now. And he, that's him singing on Pop Along Kid. Yeah, that's him singing on Pop Along Kid. Yeah. Okay, I get it. I get it. Okay. <laughs> I, no, I just wanted to make sure I didn't know if that was him. That was you. If he was given much singing duties or not. Okay. Now, um, Pop- how, from from one from one to impossible. How hard were they on the choreography front of things? Because you guys, you guys really had a, a together. You know, it's almost like I wish it was five of you because you guys were doing shit that was like, um, for our listeners out there, if you if you can if you could demo if you, you could demo if you could Google a song called "Shoe Shoe Shine" by the Dynamic Superiors. In my opinion, it's one of the greatest performances ever on Soul Train, in which they literally act out every word that's sang. Like, this is mm-hmm. past Charlie Atkins, this is past Brooke Payne as far as choreography is concerned. But yeah, I was saying that the 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 choreography that you guys had, even if you say, like, I'm not a dancer, but somehow mm-hmm. in my mind, I just always walked away with like Shalomar really had great polished choreography. Like how hard were how hard and like how much time did you guys spend on those routines? Spending a lot of time on the routines. Jody Jody was really instrumental as far as like uh, uh, putting together the a lot of routines. Jeffrey would throw his 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 situation in there a lot, and I just I, I mean I was just you know because one of the things that that I was concerned about was the fact that I sing and and when you sing. It's like you got to breathe and you got to, and you're breathing. If you're out of breath, <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And so that's when I, I you know, I, I, I did the I did the choreography and went through the quote. But I told them, let's make be conscientious of the fact that I'm singing. You know what I'm saying? You right. Got, you know, you guys are singing. I'm singing. I, I got to hit those notes that I created on those albums and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, so that's Can't when, be levitating and <laughs> yeah, like, like, and then, then get right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it was like, 
then we started being, I think we started being conscientious of, they started being conscientious of that. And that's when the whole situation of like, you know, there's in choreography, a lot of times less is more, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And the, the human mind, the human brain can only just take so much, you know, this, so I would rather people walk away from a concert saying, man, you remember when they did this thing together? Boom, 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 boom. They were together. And then Howard broke off and he broke off. And then they came back and did it together. And so I, I would rather that than a whole bunch of stuff that they're not really going to remember anyway. And so mm -hmm. Jeffrey and Jody were on it. Jeffrey's whole backsliding thing that he had eventually, he's the one that taught Michael how to do that. And Michael named it the moonwalk. Jeffrey right. taught him how to do that. So, mm -hmm. but at the, you know, during the show, we would play this song called, uh, um, uh, what was it called? Um, I forget the name, but it was first, first part of right in the socket. It's called right in the socket. Yeah. And yeah, and we and it would be, and then the band would break down into this funky groove, and me and Jody would be on one side of the stage rocking, and Jeffrey would be all the way on the other side of the stage, and Jody and I would pull this imaginary rope, right, and pull it, and boom, like that, and Jeffrey would backslide all the way across the stage. Man. <laughs> the first, first, all people on the on the floor, it's guaranteed they're standing up because they think. He's on like a conveyor belt. That's how. <laughs> and so that from that point on, we could do anything. We would do it. It was on. It was on. So, uh, do, do you have any? Do you have any um, knowledge of? Because I know that Jeffrey was also trying to get uh, another group off the ground. The one that with Casper, Cooley That's and Casper, cool. like his other dancers. Yeah. There was there was like I think it was like a singing group, whatever. I assume that. He was trying to bring them through the Solar Channel. Did anything ever happen to that project? I'm not sure. I remember Casper and Cooley, though, definitely. Casper and Cooley actually went over first because we were we were going overseas for a promotional th thing for about six weeks. So that's when Michael wanted to learn the backslide. So first right. Casper, and Cooley, Casper and Cooley went over there to try and teach it to him. But for some reason, he couldn't grasp it from them. So when we came back, from uh from uh the promotional tour that's when jeffrey went over and taught him how to they do it taught it, it too okay yeah, but but i think the uh the the group was called uh what was the what was the name of the group i forget that i forget i'm forgetting yeah i'm drawing a blank right it's, now it's a it's a it was a dance group basically and okay yeah and like i don't know whether jeffrey was trying to make it into a, a singing group too and maybe bring it to dick or whatever but nothing really came of it All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? 
With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, okay. So at the time when second time around becomes a, a big ass hit, mm-hmm. and it's definitely established that you're in, in a, you know, a, a, a well-established group that's not going to have to struggle Mm-hmm. Um, at least in our eyes, it's like, oh, you made it right out the box. How different does your life change? Like, what is it to be a young, successful black male with a hit group <laughs> in Los Angeles, California, mm-hmm. 1980? Goopies were crazy, you know, but uh, <laughs> wet ass pussy. <laughs> did, did oh God. Steve just say that? He did, and, and it, it made so much sense between me and Steve and Howard, and I'm afraid the rest too. of the world. And, and I Bill was there too. too. I just don't know if everybody. Bill was there too. Bill was there. Leave it out of context. Okay. Leave it out of context. Just trust me, listeners. A conversation was had earlier, but go ahead. <laughs> but but in, a, in a sense, that was one of the changes because, you know, I had dealt with, with the whole groupie thing since I was like, you know, young, very young, like even in the gospel situation there, you had your gospel groupies, you know, and when I went to, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah, that's what my oh, grandma yeah, called. Yeah, they was, they was yeah. holy from the waist up. Oh, man. You know, the Lord told me to give this to you. Okay. Oh. Uh, you know, <laughs> and so, so, but, but then, you know, and then I had, you know, when I, when I went into the R&B situation back in, back in uh, Ohio, we had our, our fans that follow us around and then uh, going overseas with the group with uh, Beverly Hills, you know, man, yeah, I can't, yeah, I already know. Foreign, yeah. Foreign situation. Yeah, you are, and yeah. I, when I get with the group, I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh man, I got this down. This is like, I've been dealing with this for a long time. There ain't nothing like hit record groupies. Hit record groupies are the ones that like, you know, you they come wax. to the group and all of a sudden it's like, oh, how'd you get in here? You know, oh, man, oh. and so, you know, it, it, that after a couple of years of that, that really made me look at that whole thing and and look and see, uh, you know, that's not something I really want to deal with as far as that's concerned, because it's not like they know me. They just know what they think about me. If they knew me, they might not even like me. So like so that so I ended that whole thing. That was that was a change in my life. But, you know, as far as the responsibility, I think you started getting at least I did anyway, started getting a sense of responsibility of what you're saying and because you know that people are really listening to you you know what i'm saying and it's like and that's with that comes responsibility it's like you know i gotta and like i said i came from 
I came from a whole house full of, of women, you know, like my mm-hmm. mom, my mom, my four sisters, and then me and my dad were the only testosterone, you know, walking around there for about three or four years until my younger, my younger brother came. But, you know, but it, I always looked at that and, and that always kind of uh, shaped what I would allow myself to, you know, to say in my music and what I do and what I, and what I project, project as far as the music is concerned. So, you know, but I mean, it was, it was, cause at the time we was, we were only so second time around was out there. I think it was, I, I think I was about 23, 23 years wow. old, you know, so. Tired from grouping we were young. already. We were, we were really, really young. Jeffrey's only like a couple of months older than I am. And Jody's like, I, I forget, like about three, four years younger, but you know, we were young you know, when, when that whole thing went down. So it was, it was a, a big adjustment a big adjustment. Is there any, pre- I mean, not preparing you, but did it ever get to the point where, especially when you're young and impressionable, you have ideas of what stardom was like, like, ah, oh, there's a limousine and there's a bodyguard. But I mean, was there just ever time when you just couldn't do something simple, like just go to the Seven Eleven to get, you know, uh, that was a stick of gum or something like yeah. that. Was it like that or was it just, could you still have a personal life or was it like constantly mm-hmm. being chased around and that sort of thing? Not being chased around. I think it was like, you know, here in the States, you, you had to realize you had to yeah, get a sense of where you could go and where you couldn't go. You dig? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, there's other places that, there's places that even now I won't go because I won't be, it won't be, you know, like. You want you know, a piece. Yeah. <laughs> You're eating, which I don't mind, you know, uh, uh, autographs and stuff. That's the part you asked for. You got it Toyota. You know what I'm saying? So that's a part <laughs> of the whole thing. But like, you know, the the place that was really difficult to get around was uh was in the UK once when it, when everything hit in the UK, because UK is so condensed, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the, right. the whole the whole island is what about as big as California, but you got all kind of people in there, and then and so once once we hit there, it was like, I mean, it was we hit hit. Jeffrey went on top of the pops, did his thing. The next day, it was like, bam, it was crazy. And uh, I, can you explain that situation? Because um, I I've seen him do. Uh, night to remember where he's just pop locking by himself and mm-hmm. you know even i went to live there for a couple of years and they still talk about like that being such a game-changing moment i know that jeffrey also hosted uh the british oh. version of soul train soul train 620 or whatever it was called mm-hmm. but what was the situation that both you and jody didn't make that promotional tour and jeffrey just decided to pop lock and Dan, well, to give you guys a backstory, I believe that the the legend is that you guys were supposed to perform on top of the pops, but something happened. So he decides I'm just going to pop lock, and mm-hmm. he does the moonwalk on the show, and pop. suddenly you guys become instant mega celebrities. That's why I always say whatever we were, whatever we are over there in the UK. I mean, we still Jeffrey and I and Carolyn Griffey still tour over there now. And we, wow. we've carved out. We've carved out a real niche out there, real good niche over there, where we're doing festivals with sixty, seventy thousand people over there now. You know, so. Yeah. And um, but 
what happened was it's gonna be good what happened was it's gonna be no, good. we have been on the road so much also jody was like pregnant with her first uh her first child her daughter uh lauren and uh and i was trying to piece together what little bit was left of my first marriage you know and which didn't happen you know didn't work mm -hmm. but uh but we have been on the road so much for so long we said and and at the time i can make you feel good there's another song that that i me and um i forget we wrote we wrote together and um and i can make you feel good came out over there i can make you feel good blown up you know going up to charts and took so long for us to decide what we were going to do by the time he got there i can make you feel good had had fallen to number two and top right. of the pops was a number uh was was a uh, a program where they only did number one records on there so so he oh. couldn't do, he couldn't do he couldn't do i can make you feel good but then somehow i forget what happened they uh they they arranged it so he could come back on there since he was all the way all the way over there because it fell to number two on his way over there you know right. what I'm so, <laughs> that's cold-blooded i know so like they, so like they said you know they said well you know yo we can get him on here you can do you know do a dance because he was going to do a dance thing to to i can make you feel good but he ended up doing it to uh a make night that, to, a night to remember yeah to remember yeah and i, I think that was going to be the next single anyway or something like that so he went on there and, and top of the pops is a type of show it came on every thursday you know right and and if you went on top of the pops and and killed friday you saw your album sales go go through the roof that's how 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 instantly impactful you know that uh that show was to the uk so man he went on there they went crazy man they went crazy they it was like it was like you know we couldn't we couldn't walk down the street half the time and then we I, finally went over there you know mm -hmm. I, I was going to say that in some weird way, you guys not going over there almost served the mm -hmm. the group better mm -hmm. because it was of a, that very specific. It um, was a mystery. <laughs> hey guys, I don't know if you I don't know if you remember, but when um, Leon had did our show, he had mentioned um, a Shalimar video that. Um, it's escaping me right now, but I I went I I forget the title, but I went to actually look it up on YouTube, and I have to say it. It's probably in my mind. I thought the emergency video for the whispers was the weirdest video from the Solar <laughs> Cannon with them arguing inside of a phone booth. But you guys have a very. It might have been for the song you just mentioned. It was like. You were in a garden, or do you not remember? Oh, in a garden? Like, if, you were in a flower shop or something like that. It was like... I don't want to be the last to know. Yo. Okay, who conceptualized? <laughs> Have you guys seen this video, y'all? No. I'm no, pulling you know, it up now. Forget, right now. Forget, forget Keep on Loving Me. Forget all the weird videos that have come from Solar wow. Records. Like oh, they're this, dressed like the 1800s or something? This tops everything. Oh, my God. This just, tops got, everything. Like I only, I I only wish I had a time machine to go back to Leon Silver's interview so we could talk about this video some more. Because I looked it up at, way after after we did the interview, 
Yeah. What was who conceptualized that video? Is Joey in whiteface? What's going it's, on? It, dude, it's it's, it's, it's like, like she's in whiteface. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Gaysa meets. I had, I, had, I had one of them flop hats on or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like an antebellum. Like yeah. what was going on in this video? <laughs> I don't want to be the last to know if you're gonna leave. Yeah, man. It was like that was back in that was back. We did three videos in the same day. Man, <laughs> that's what, this that's was the last like, one. Y'all was tired. <laughs> <laughs> I was tired. I don't know who came up with that concept. Because man, like, man, wow, your hair looks yeah. great though. I mean, but but it's just like what was it? A night to remember, I think when. Jeffrey was the 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 bartender, uh, waiter, the waiter or the bartender. Yeah, yeah. And he came out the closet, and I'm like, "Oh, that that's not cool." You know? <laughs> right, yeah, it was just, yeah, that that video was weird. But this 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 takes the click. This yeah, takes the man. Cake. This white face. Man, I, I don't know. This is the one time I wish this show had a visual component. Oh look, my, everybody, I'm looking at it po- now. This look, this is the oddest thing ever. Yo, man, it yeah. is. It's, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy. Like I said, but we did three videos. I remember it was it's night to remember. I don't want to be the last, and uh, this tune called "Work It Work It Out Work It Out." You know, right? Okay. Now, check out "Work It Out." Work It Out is like oh, that's the bomb. All right, that, that's okay. even that's even <laughs> crazier. It's even weirder. You know, who, so who directed we, these videos? Bill Parker. Jesus Christ, it's weird. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm like looking at it right now. <laughs> what work it out? Yes. We got balloons. Work it out. Yes. Work yes. Out. Oh, oh, my God. Da, da, da. And then the balloons go back up. <laughs> but but I mean, but really, though, I mean, it, those videos are weird, but I really, looking back at it, videos were really something that I think it took a lot of, like, black artists a while to figure out. You know what I'm saying? Like, what it was. Because a lot of those, like, early age, I mean, they you could tell like they didn't know what the fuck to do what you know what i mean doing? right you know That's what i'm saying why yeah. is still the best was the first be- best video yeah i mean you look at the don't look any further video it's just like what in the hell you know what i mean right like, right oh you know uh the don't look any further video from dennis edwards inside oh, yeah. yeah yeah but i, yeah, I will it, admit like you guys the whole solar canon all the groups including the lakeside videos and even their album come like I at least like the fact that you guys were thinking forward as far as the visual component that most groups weren't even thinking of back then. Yeah. You know? So it's almost like, and that probably explains. I'm I'm, I'm going to get into, I, yeah. For the life of me, I don't even know how you guys were successful in getting a dead giveaway on MTV at a time when MTV was very slow to play back black videos. But wait, I I, I do have a question. I, I got to go to Charlene and Willis's theme. Please, why wasn't <laughs> Somewhere There's a Love for Me ever released oh, as a single? Oh, my I don't God. Know. Oh, Mir. An amazing song. Oh. It, it, the way that people respond to it, man, you would Dog. think it was a single. You would think it was, a, it was a single at some point because it's like, ah, they go crazy. That <laughs> Different Strokes episode did y'all justice, like, that's, you know, for those that don't know, you know, when Janet Jackson first was on Different Strokes, like that was her and Will and Ty Bridges song on on uh, 
on that show. So yeah, I didn't I didn't know that. You know, I didn't know that. You never knew that? I never knew that. I didn't I never really watched different strokes that much, but song you know, placement, man. Song yeah. well, I, you know, again, I was a ten year old, so it's like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Can you explain why me being aware of what you guys' records were as they came out? I do remember being very shocked and surprised when Go For It was just like in the record bin. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. wait, where's the single at? How how come? Like, I almost felt like it was just put out there. It was. Or just arbitrarily. Like, what was, was, was Go For It like a bunch of throwaway songs or? It was, it was, there was, uh, we were going, uh, Solar was going from RCA distribution to Electra distribution. Mm. To complete to complete their uh, obligation to RCA, each group on the on the on the Solar label owed RCA another another album, one more album, and then we could then Solar could move on to Electra distribution. So it was like it was we called we used to call it the throwaway album, but on that album you had you had sweeter as the days go by, mm-hmm. you had you know. Uh, this uh, talk to me, which was uh, which was like a crazy, crazy thing. Uh, James and I did uh, a song on there called "You Got Me." You got running. me running, right? You know, one of those urgency things, you know. And um, and it, but that's what it was. We used to call it the throwaway album, you know. And, and that was because we had to fulfill the obligation to uh, RCA distribution company, and so that they can move on to the electric to electric. So at at the time though, um, and you know, like throwaway albums are, you know, Frank Zappa was famous for it. Uh, you know, Prince did Chaos and Disorder. Like throwaway albums, there's nothing new about it. But at the time, are you feeling like, well, we do have a? Are you thinking about it in terms of legacy? Like, well, I don't, I don't want to just put a stinker out there or mm-hmm. something that doesn't have all this promotion or something. Because you guys mm-hmm. are basically releasing it, knowing that it's going to be dead in the water anyway. But did you feel any sort of way about that as a group? Like we don't want to waste a shot, especially when we have this much momentum. Mm, nah, we 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 really didn't think about that a lot because I, th- I guess we were depending on the guidance of the record company as far as that's concerned. You know, they said, "Okay, we're going to do this. This is going to be cool." Blah blah blah. And like I said, some some uh, uh, sweeter as the days go by. That was a that was a that was a pretty you know turned out to be a pretty especially overseas turned out to be a pretty popular song and stuff so oh, okay. it wasn't it wasn't like we put it wasn't like if you listen to the album it wasn't like we put a stinker out there there was some stuff on there was some stuff sorry on. about that I didn't mean stinker but just yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of releasing it knowing that you're just gonna go put all the energy in front of the the friends album that's yeah. Yeah, yeah. From, the, from the album with the new distribution company. Now, I think we were, you know, again, we were so we were still at that point, we were still pretty young in the business. And like, so we were we were depending, you know, if Dick said, we're going to put away, you know, get a throwaway album. Leon said, we're going to do a throwaway album. Okay. All right, cool. Let's do it. Let's get in there and work. You know, but work. I also noticed that this is the album that the three of you really got to contribute a lot of your personal songs to it. Right, right. Especially Jeffrey. Jeffrey did a lot of stuff on there. And so, uh, in your in your mind, like, what's what's your favorite album of the Shalimar Cannon? I think, like, I really dig Three for Love. I, I, I dig Three for Love because of the the the, uh, the politics of it. And um, as far as because Lee Young Jr. told me 
when I first got with the group. Because uh, up until that time, it was a lot of caricatures as far as album covers concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, the the the, the uh, Uptown Festival album cover was a right cartoon type of character. The Disco Gardens know, and yeah, right. Disco Garden and and uh, and and also you know um, even the Big Fun album you know, on those with the dolphins, right? Yeah, and stuff is still you know, but. Lee told me, man, you have to establish your faces as far as the group is concerned. When people you have to establish it so that when people say Shalimar, they think of Howard, Jeffrey and Joey because they see it. And then and on the on the legal tip, you know, that was very cool. So that was that was uh, uh, real important to me as far as that album was concerned. Which album uh, which album was uh, For the Lover and You on? Was that on uh, Three for Love? That was on Three for Love, I believe. I believe, yeah, it's on Three for Love. Yeah, yes. And, and what you were talking about in the very beginning of the of this whole of this whole show was very important because when I first got with the group, it was like, you know, Shalimar, the disco group. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like, like I said, I wasn't a big fan of disco. You know what I'm saying? So my thing was like, that's we need to establish this as a as a, as a group as a as a whatever you want to pop, R&B, whatever, not disco. So when we did For the Lover and You, For the Lover and You was very instrumental in doing that, taking us from the disco group into, you know, when they started talking about Shalimar, you know, after uh, For the Lover and You, it was like, yeah, the group, Shalimar, the the um, singing group, pop group, R&B group, but, you know, put the disco group out of the picture. What was the name? Where did the name uh, come from? What was the meaning of the name Shalimar? This is there's uh, this cat named S- Simone Susan who brought uh, Uptown Festival to uh, Dick and and uh, Don Cornelius. Uptown Festival was like a medley of Motown hits, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like uh, you know in the disco in the disco format, and uh, so Simone Susan was this cat, and there was a he, he, there was a garden over in the Middle East or something like that called Shalimar Garden. It was a S H L I M A R, you know, Shalimar. Ah, and it was, okay. It was this. There was this. Uh, there was this botan- botanical garden that this potentate or somebody you know put together for his lady, you know, and that, and so like there was this beautiful garden. That's how they got Disco Garden out of it, and then they changed the I to the A and S H A L A M A R. S yeah S H A L A M A R yeah okay what can you what can you tell us uh, both legally and and respectfully um, about Jody's situation and why she's not touring with the band currently with us currently yeah yeah well, at the time we we got an offer Jeffrey like I think it was about twenty years ago seventeen twenty years or so ago we we uh um uh got an well Jeffrey got an offer to do five gigs over in Asia over in throughout mm-hmm. Japan and stuff. And, and so, you know, we called Jody, we said, you know, Jeff called me. I said, yeah, I'm down. I'm cool. It'd be fun. And then we called Jody and uh, Jody said, well, I don't think I really want to revisit that part of my life, you know, and, and wow. uh, which, you know, you can't say, I mean, that they, she, she, you know, that everybody didn't have the same, you know, it's, it's a situation you can do, you know, three people, two people can experience the same exact mm. thing and come away, away with two different experiences. 
two different experiences. So you got three people who experienced the same exact thing and came away with uh, three different uh, 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 experiences. So at that time, Jeffrey and I went and Je we did the shows by ourselves. We put the band together and we did the shows ourselves, you know. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then, in fact, we went on to do a bunch of um, stuff in the UK. We went to Africa a couple of times with that line with just me and Jeffrey. And then when we wanted to bring the female entity back into it, Carolyn Griffey, who is Dick Griffey's daughter. Daughter, right. Mm -hmm. And she was she was singing background for me on a lot of my solo stuff, you know. And so she had the history of the group. She had the passion of the group. So we didn't even we we didn't even uh and, and also she had she has an, an amazing voice. I love her, mm -hmm. I love her instrument. And uh we didn't even uh, auditioning anybody else we just offered the position yeah yeah how was your um how was your relationship uh before uh, mr griffey when he passed how was our relationship at that time uh right before he he passed me and dick yeah yeah oh I mean, we were we were we were at each other's throats about something i forget what it was, <laughs> it was like <laughs> <laughs> i forget what it was he didn't and it was funny because like you know he was just he was just uh, learning about texting and stuff at that time. Oh, and shit. He texted, he texted something and accidentally sent it to me. I'm like, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I just I just laughed, you know, and, and uh, I forget what it was we were arguing about at that time. But um, I loved him. I loved it, you know, and, and yeah. we had our bittersweet thing. Mm -hmm. How old was he when he passed? Dude, hey, I 70s, 70s, I want to say, yeah, 70 something, yeah, 70 something, you know, and like, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was sad. I never got a chance to see him right when, before he passed, we had a couple meetings before he got, before he got sick and, uh, you know, but, uh, and we were arguing about something then I forget what it was, but <laughs> wow, <laughs> you know? Hey, I know, I know I brought it up earlier, but I, I kind of want to revisit it. I know that you and James Ingram are singing on PYT. Are you mm -hmm. at all involved on the original version of PYT? The slower, before it turned into the version that's on Thriller, there's another alternative, slower, mm -hmm. smoother version of PYT. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, a slower version. Are you on that version at all, or is it just the version that's on Thriller? Just a version that's on Thriller. I didn't, I didn't even know there was a slower version out. You know, uh, you know, good and well. Yeah, they left no stone unturned. Like they kept. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, were, were, the, were the backgrounds sampled from the first from the original? No, 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 no. no. Oh, it was a completely different recording. Oh, okay, just no. the title. They shared the title. That's all. Like they okay. turned into something totally, totally different. No, um, I, but oh. speaking of speaking of Griffey, again, you know, MTV was was just a baby. And of course, they were world famous for really not focusing on that many black acts and yet i remember at the same time when they started slowly playing billy jean and beat it um you guys were one of the few groups that they slowly let in the door along with like prince and lionel mm -hmm. richie eddie mm -hmm. grant um how do you, do you know how that happened like how was was that the the, the making of dick griffey or like I don't know what the politics were as far as what the politics were as far as getting all that into in uh, into the playlist. But at the time, it was just it was just us and Michael, 
And um, but, you know, then you had that you had that famous uh, interview of, with David Bowie and David Bowie. Went, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. And I think at that point, they started kind of re, re-looking at certain situations when a David Bowie comes up to you and says, how can you call yourself a music channel and, you, and you're not playing black music? It's like it's crazy, you know. So right. so like um, but I'm not sure about the politics. It was just, you know, people, they uh, the, the promotion people kept pushing it, kept pushing it. But at the time, like I said, it was just it was just us and Michael at the time that they were playing. Okay, so can I assume that the look was technically kind of sort of maybe your first solo record, but <laughs> kind <No>. of <laughs> in group or name? Oh, really? No, okay. It was the last. It was the last uh, um, uh, album that we did that Jeffrey and Jody and I did together. But they participated just like they you equally. Know, just like okay. They Equally, as far as like, just like we used to do all the rest of the projects and stuff. There's a tune on there called "You Are the uh, You're the One for Me." Man, check that tune out if you get a chance. Check that tune. Out. Oh, yeah. I know, I know it well. I know it well. But yeah. I just wanted to know, like the the working process. Speaking of the look, yeah. I know, I know, and you know, I'm a Philadelphian, so I, I feel like a bad Philadelphian because I'm going to ask you this question. But <laughs> I know that you wrote the look with with Stanley Clark. Mm-hmm. Now, personally, one of my all-time favorite Howard Hewitt songs, non-Shalomar related, but really, if, I, if I'm honest with it, this is probably my all-time favorite song of yours, mm-hmm. is Heaven Sent. Now, mm-hmm. you know, as a jazz head, you know, this is a guy that's, you know, done Return to Forever, done Change the World of Bass Music. I feel really silly that this is also might be my favorite Stanley Clark song. Oh, Being really? as though he has such an intricate history with his bass, but yeah. this one particular song says, could, could you, what I really want to know is why didn't you save that for your own project? Yes, even though it made noise on his record. Mm-hmm. I almost mm-hmm. felt like, because when it came out, I felt like, oh, this is the Howard Hewitt solo joint. And then my mm-hmm. aunt couldn't find it. She's been looking for it forever. And then finally it's <laughs> like, uh, it's it's buried on, you know, the Stanley Clark record. Could you talk about yeah. that song? That song, it was for, it was one of the first times that I ventured, one of my first uh, ventures off from Solar. You know what I'm right. saying? And so, like I said before, Dick wasn't really a big fan of that. But, you know, it was like, you got to, you can't just, you know, keep people sold up in certain situations. So, it was when uh, Stanley, because Stanley and I met first, and then he mm-hmm. introduced me to George. And um, when we met, we had a mutual uh, friend that was his accountant, I think, and then he did some he did some work for me. And then he he introduced me to Stanley. Stan was a fan of of you know the the Shalimar stuff, and I was definitely a fan of Stanley's because I my first instrument that I learned how to play when I was like twelve years old was bass. Wow. So, you know, uh, I was the the Stanley was like the cat. Right. So we just started working together. And there was another cat that wrote that song. I think he passed away. I can't remember. That wrote D- a lot. Uh, of what was it? On Heaven, on Heaven Sent? Heaven Sent. Yeah. All right, OK. I got to uh, look it up. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Um, there was some. I, I remember there was some stuff that was going on with him and Stanley, but you know, we got, we, um, 
you know, we went in and started recording, started messing around with it. And it was just, it was, it was just slated to go on his album. It wasn't slated to go on my album. And that was before I think, you know, the whole concept of putting a, a song, you could put it on this album, but I'll do and it. That album, I right. Put it on my album. You know what I'm saying? We, we weren't doing that then. Is this song, is it, is it still in your repertoire? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Love okay. that song. You know. I was just gonna ask, what was the creative uh, chemistry like? Uh, Stanley and George working together. What were they like in the studio together? Man, it was like because because I did a lot of the uh, uh, Clark Duke. Uh, yeah, Clark Duke project. Yeah, and a lot of involved in a lot of that, especially the videos. I do these little crazy cameo appearances on the videos. <laughs> didn't make any sense. Make any sense. All of a sudden, I'm there. You know what I'm saying? And. Uh, <laughs> Um, it, it was amazing. I mean, George, just working with George, though, George was just, I mean, if you, if you didn't know, anybody that didn't, all the whole bottom part of George's house in uh, in Hollywood, uh, lower Hollywood Hills, basically uh, off of Franklin, the whole bottom part of his house was his studio, everything. Okay. Room, studio, you know, everything, uh, the the, the uh, lounge, everything was a studio. He had a he had his uh, wine cellar down there and stuff, and <laughs> and I mean, it was it was just we we would just go in there, and it was a place to go in and just be creative, and working with and and then watching him and Stanley together was just a double un, double situation, double dose of what you know George did, and it and it and it uh, was was enhanced by Stanley's stuff. Stanley do some stuff. George would enhance it with his thing. I mean, it was it was a, a major, major creative, total creative atmosphere in there. That's beautiful, man. Wow. Um, could you what was the audition process like for Mickey Free and Delisa Davis once uh <clears throat> Jeffrey and Jody left uh Shalimar? Well, for Mickey, there wasn't really an audition situation. Mickey was working on a, a a project, I think, with Leon, you know, and Mickey was like basically, you know, this prince-like uh, mm-hmm. star player cat, and and he was working out of a uh, uh, studio masters, and so I would come there. I was working on something, and then we see each other. I think with these studio masters or Larabee uh, studio, I can't remember. But we cross each other, cross path. On, hey man, what's up? Hey man, what's up? Blah, 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 blah. And then keep on going, right? And then we started talking and stuff. And Mickey is Mickey. If if he ever decided to put this guitar down and not do music anymore, he could be a stand up comedian for real. <laughs> that that nigga had me cracking up the whole time. Right. And so, and, so then that's when I talked to Leon, because like I said, they were they were working on something. And then I said, well, why don't I bring, you know, uh, uh, Mickey in, which changed the whole situation of the group. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because Mickey was more of this rock cat. And I was just looking to do something to pass the time for two and a half years. You know, so, <laughs> you know, and we went into the whole, you know, we went into the whole rock thing. You know, I always had... My dressing room, when, when Jeffrey was in the group, it was me and Jeffrey had a dressing room, right? We didn't right. have room together. Jody would have her own dressing room. But it's just, you know, the camaraderie of it, you know? So Mickey and I had our dressing room together. Our theme song in the dressing room was uh, uh, 
Rebel Yell, um, which we call it. Billy Idol. Yeah. Billy Leather gloves on and the belt can, you know what I'm saying? And we ready to go out there and, and deal, man. So like it changed the whole thing. Now with, with uh Delisa, we uh Dick came up with this um idea of involving a lot of the uh, local different local uh, radio stations across the country and do this con uh, contest, the contest to find the girl for Shalomar, you know, wow. and, it, and, and it, it involved the, the local radio stations and, and all of them, they put together this thing. They had auditions. Dawn Lewis, Dawn Lewis auditioned yeah. in New York. That's when I first met Dawn Lewis. Wait, know? did she tell us Man. this? Yeah. I don't remember. I don't think I was. I don't think I was. I wasn't on that episode. I missed that episode. Don't, yeah, Dawn yeah. was our last pre-COVID uh, interview. Oh yeah, now Dawn. <laughs> yeah. Dawn I remember so Dawn. Things. I remember Dawn coming out with these hot pants and these and these uh, uh, uh what are they call fishnet stockings, right? Right. <laughs> For years, I called her fishnet, right? Because she didn't she didn't win the audition, Delise, because uh, she won the New York audition. And then she was. Then they flew. They they flew her to uh, L.A. And when it was, she was in L.A. In L.A., one of the times she was in L.A., that's when she. I guess she connected with the uh, different world people. Or, or um, yeah, the different world people. But for years after I knew, and you know, after I knew Dawn, for years I I could never really remember her name, but I call her Fishnets. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> you know. But that was the process because Delisa was from uh, Nashville. So when we went to Nashville, did the did the audition there. Oh, so this this was nationwide. It was nationwide. Yeah. Oh, wow. A, OK. We did New okay. York, Nashville, all, all over the place. We were all over the place. By the way, did, did Mickey ever share any of that basketball Charlie Murphy story with you at all? The day after. He <laughs> oh, said he, he told you? After the day after it happened, man, that's why when people <laughs> called me, when people called me uh, after Dave Chappelle did it, and years later, when people called me and told me, "Ah, man, you see that skit, the the Charlie Murphy uh, Hollywood stories," and on Dave Chappelle they did a thing, they talked about Mickey going up and going up to Prince's house. I said, "Man, Mickey called me the day after they, the day after they did that." And so we up at short, we up at short cast house, man, last night. And and Eddie Murphy and Charlie Murphy, everybody came up to play basketball. He said Prince, Prince went out there in his heels and was dunking. And, <laughs> and, was killing. and then afterwards he said, Man, anybody want some pancakes? <laughs> Wait a man, minute. Oh, he God. called me the day he called me the day after, a day after that went down. That's hilarious. Wait, can I get this, Fonte? Because yeah, yeah. I'm going to forget this. Um, also, on The Look, you worked with the legendary uh, David Hawk Wazinski, formerly yes. of Rufus. Yes. <laughs> yeah, could you talk to, like, that? that's a cat I definitely want to interview as well. Like, can you talk about the process of, of songwriting with him and working with him? It was wild. Uh, Hawk was wild. He, he His studio was called... It was up in the uh, uh, hills off of uh, Lo um, off the off the one oh off the one oh one Laurel wasn't Laurel Canyon I can't remember. Okay, but it was up in the hills, it was, and the name of his studio was called Fool in the Hill. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, Fool in the Hill. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Fool, Fool in the Hill Studios. So it was like me, him, Mickey, 
we had it. Yeah, it was just the whole writing process. It would get serious, then all of a sudden it would just go off the chain somewhere else. And we were just, you know, we were just up there. We had we had, you know, interesting situations, visitors up there in and out and all. In <laughs> all quote, okay. <laughs> quote unquote, you know, I see yeah. what you're going. All right. <laughs> and so like you know, but it was, but but the creative situation of it when we would be on track was amazing. Was amazing. We got a lot of work done, a lot of creative uh, looking at. Uh, we did one of the songs we did was called "My Girl Loves." My girl me. loves me. That's yeah. my shit. My girl you know, loves yeah. me. Yeah. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I know probably to you, like, this was like, all right, I'm just going to do this bid and then get out here and do my solo join. But... (laughs) You know, for a whatever, a past the time record, at least in your words, like I the the heartbreak record was actually kind of dope. And I I do I do want to know the story. Okay, so I know the history of Dean uh Pitchford because I went to performing arts high school. So Dean Pitchford, of course, you know, he's 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 a he's a fellow e gotter, uh Bill. You should know this person. Um he wrote I mean, from Godspell to fame, he wrote like a lot of Broadway stuff. He won Mad Grammys and a Tony and an Emmy. I know that him and Bill Wolford wrote, uh, uh, about to say Footloose. Well, they wrote yeah. that too. Yeah. They wrote Dancing in the Sheets. Yeah. Sheets, like In the streets to a child Sheets. here. Excuse me, Mr. Hewitt. And I know I, ain't, I called you Howard the whole time. But a, <laughs> a, a young child who hears that song, you think the first time you heard that somebody said it was dancing in the, in the streets. Mm, I think they're talking about getting it on and they're talking about the sheets. Kids don't even hear yeah, that yeah. part. You just hear the... I was a kid and, and I heard that part. Body, your friends. You don't, <laughs> yes. I'm going to the streets yeah, yeah. with my coat. Yeah. 
Nah, <laughs> grab your coat when we going home. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah, I'm enlightened. As of today, I am enlightened. Yes, she thought was dancing in the streets. But um, wait, can I can I just ask though? Yes, the song was a bona fide hit. Mm-hmm. But did anyone ever raise the question that it might be a tad bit derivative of 1999 at all? Well, you know, the thing, the whole, the way that whole thing came about was um, at the time, like I said, it was just me. I don't even think I had Mickey in the group at that time. You know, it was just, it was just, just me. And um, and Dean Pitchford called and wanted me and Leon to come to the to the Paramount Studios and listen and look at this movie that he had, and he had temporary music in it. You know, just stuff. And and then when it came to the part where he had written, you know, for uh, Dancing in Sheets. He said, this is where I want, you know, Shalimar thing to be. And so like, you know, we, we watched the movie, we talked, got blah, blah, blah. And Leon and, Leon and I are walking back to the uh, to the par- uh, the parking lot. And um, I said, well, what do you think? You know, and he said, wow, I got a whole lot on my plate. I don't think that's gonna be a big movie. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, and I got a whole lot <laughs> I got a whole lot on my plate. I, I don't really, I'm not, I'm not really going to have time to do it. He said, well, what do you think? <clears throat> I said, well, I don't think it's going to be a big movie either, you know, but. Oh, I God. Said, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm having a brain fart. Exactly. I, so I ain't going to throw Leon under the bus like that. It was me too. I said, I don't think it's going to be a big movie either. So you saw Footloose and you were just like, <laughs> man, whatever. Yeah. No? Okay. Like, okay. You know, because it, it was, it was just. You know this cat, this cat teaching white folks how to dance and and all that kind of stuff. Like you know, it's like, you know, it's like, hey, you know, I I don't think it's going to be that big of a movie. But I said, but being with the position that the group, which I was going to have to keep on at that time, I knew Dick Griffey wasn't going to allow me to get out of my contract, so I had to keep on with the group. I said, but given the the position that the group is in at this time. I said, I think it would be a good, even though I don't think it's going to be a, uh, I don't think it's a great movie. They're going to put a push behind it. Yeah, it's Paramount. a good look. Yeah, it'll be a good look, promotional you know, uh, thing. So it would be, you know, why not? Do it. I'll do it. I'll put it, you know, do the, do the song, put it in there. Shalimar name lives forever. You know what I'm saying? So Little did you know. I know. <laughs> and I had to go to Solar, to, to, to um, uh, the, the legal department in Solar, when somebody called me one morning and then the soundtrack had been out there and it is sold because at that time soundtracks weren't really big. People really didn't look at soundtracks, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that was like the first the first bit of the first one of the first big soundtracks out there. But I had to go to Solar and say because somebody called me uh, that particular morning and said, uh, you've been checking out the the, the um, Footloose soundtrack? I said, no, it was a. Hey man, they 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 sold platinum already. I said, like, "What? Are you serious?" Yeah. You know? And so I go to, I go to and talk to Virgil Roberts at the at the, at the record company. I went down to the record company. I said, "Man, Virgil, you've been checking the the um, dancing the the uh, Footloose soundtrack." And Virgil goes in, "Yeah, you know, but how these these things really don't." don't sell a lot, you know, it's not, it's not sound. <laughs> and I said, I said, dude, it's, it's, it's platinum. Somebody told me it's platinum. Yeah, there's no way, no way it's platinum. And then it, that's, and it took off from there, man. It's crazy. Damn. But I was yeah. about to say, you guys double dip because isn't 
the only Grammy for Shalimar, also for your participation on the Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop, yeah. Sound, yeah, for Don't yeah. Get Stopped in Beverly Hills. So it was almost like 84 was the was, year was, of... Yeah, that was Hawk Walensky. Hawk did Don't yes. Get Stopped in Beverly Hills. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. double dip. That's 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 right. But we didn't. We, I don't. I don't think we. No, we didn't win anything for uh, Footloose. Well, that. Well, the 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 soundtrack won a Grammy. So I I assume that someone gets that. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, that sort of thing. I was gonna. I was gonna ask you out, man. Uh, what can you tell us about your marriage to Nia Peoples? I used to always watch the party machine when I was a kid. Jesus so. Christ, I forgot. <laughs> y'all were like the first, like, so I thought like, yeah, they were okay. a little celebrity couple. Yeah, y'all yeah. were the original J and B. Yeah, all I gotta say is Uh-oh. Oh, okay. Never mind. Oh, never mind. Let, no, 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 never mind. Keep going. That's a good story you know, right there. What's, what can you, you know, tell us? There was a cat. There was a cat, uh, Jerome Gaspar, who was A and R cat for Polygram. I think at the time, he's a good friend of mine. Okay. And so, it, and, and let me preface it also. I, I had a I had a condo in Hancock Park at that at that time, and I had this in my bedroom. I had this big, you know, remember the rear projections, big screen TVs. Mm-hmm. I had a big rear projections, big screen TV at the bottom of my bed, and uh, every morning I wake up, you know. Turn on the TV, flip through the channels, get to channel eleven or nine or whatever, and, uh, and I see Fame was on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And there, and I say, man, this is fine woman that comes on Fame. You know, I, about I never knew Fame. <laughs> I, never, I, never waited, I never waited for the credits or anything. I just wanted to look at her. You know what I'm saying? And and I I, I keep it on Fame on the channel where Fame was for about you know, 10, 15 minutes. If she didn't come on the screen, I'd start flipping through the channels. But <laughs> on the screen, I'm sitting there, yeah, that girl, fine. You know what I'm saying? So this cat, Jerome Gaspar, called me, and uh, uh, he said, he talks to us, he says, yeah, 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 yeah. Howard, 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 Howard. You know, he said, man, we just we just signed a girl from fame, you know, to, to a contract or a polygram. I want you to do a few songs on her. I want to do a couple, two, three songs on her. I said, well, which girl is this? Is Nia Peoples? I said, well, which girl is is it? I, there's few few women that sing. <laughs> he said, he said, I sent you a, I overnight a compilation uh, uh, via a, a tape to you, and I said, okay, cool. Next morning, the FedEx comes. They they get the tape. I put the tape in my VHS machine, and I said, ladies and gentlemen, Nia Peoples, and she comes walking out on stage. I push pause, and I call. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, <laughs> I'm on my way. <laughs> Whatever you want me to do, I'm there. You know, and, and uh, I thought Soul Train was first. I said I messed up that timeline in my kid head because I was like, oh, I thought Soul Train was first, but Soul Train was after the two of y'all are hosting Soul Train. She was never on Soul Train. She was what? never on. She was no. on Party Machine. Party, party Machine. Machine. Party yes. Machine. Halls, yes, Thank you. Party Sorry, yeah. wrong show. But, but, show. but to our long, but to our uh, younger. Gen Z listeners, she's all she's the hot mom on Pretty Little Liars. So that's that's what that's what everyone knows her as. Like yeah. yes, the Thank hot mom on Pretty Little Liars. We, so, yeah. you know, we worked on we worked on the album and um, and really got you know got got really close. So she's she's a good lady. She's a good woman. We have our son. We have uh, Christopher. Is uh, mm-hmm. our son? You know, and uh, it's amazing. We just we just had lunch. Uh, 
about two weeks or so ago. She and I, Christopher, her other daughter and stuff. It's like, it's, it's, it's very cool. It's very cool. That's what's up, man. She's going to hear your first response and be like, this fool, we just had lunch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. I, I got to say, though. Ah, damn. I, wait, because I know we got to end this episode eventually. Sometime. <laughs> However, I, I will. I got to. What is. Okay, this is always what I always wanted to know. When an artist does their signature, like when they do the token gospel song on their record, mm-hmm. i.e., Lionel Richie, Jesus' Love, yeah. and that sort of thing, where is are you at a place in your life where it's sort of like, because we we didn't even get into the personal comings and goings of your life and the turmoil, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like we're just on the creative end of things, but. At that point, the fact the fact that Say Amen became such a signature song for you, mm-hmm. like where were you in your life that that song made made its appearance and the way that you delivered it, like we really believed it. So were you yeah, no, at a transitional a phase in your life where that song came right in time? Okay, so before I left the group, before I left Shalimar, at the time, like two or three years two or three years before I left Shalimar. I always had the, the situation that I wanted to do a solo album. So I remember praying, seriously, I prayed prayer. I said, Lord, when I'm by myself, when I'm solo, when I'm, when I'm responsible for what I say, I said, I promise that I will honor you on every solo project that I do, you know? And, and I, I have, so Say Amen was the first, uh, was on the I Commit to Love album, was the first solo album, and, and then on and on. But when I finally rolled my contract out, I had Electra, you know, if you know the, the term, Electra had first rights or refusal mm-hmm. on everything that came off of Solar, right? So I had to give them, I had to, I had to go through them before I could go anywhere else, you know, as far as my solo situation was concerned. So, you know, at the time, Electra was like cold as ice. They didn't, they, they had, all they had over there were the Eagles and, and, and that whole thing. And, and, mm-hmm. like, you know, and so like I told my attorney, I said, okay, so they have to have first rights of refusal. And no, in other words, they have to, you know, decline the deal that we bring to them. You know, you know what I'm saying? So I said, if that's the case, why don't we just make this deal so ridiculous that <laughs> they're going to decline it? You dig? Okay. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we, put, we put all kind of stuff in there. Bumps here. You know, the money was like unheard of for a first time solo artist, even though I had the success with Shalomar. It was crazy. And, and we took it to him. Bob Krasnow, who was head of the yes. company. Yeah, time. we know Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Bob says. He calls your bluff. <laughs> he says, okay, what else <laughs> you want? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, so, so like, you know, okay, they, they, they accepted it. So it was a great deal monetarily. And, and the company was a great turnout to be a, company, a great company. But it, it was almost like I, 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 I just described um, uh, Solar uh, Electra like a 12 cylinder car and you only running on six cylinders, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like, cause they, cause they did their job. They did their situation as far as the urban R and B situation is concerned, but the pop department over there never came to the party. So, you know, it was like, it was, it was a whole thing, but 
getting back to when when I when I uh, first went to the thing, I had the new record company and I had a new management company. So this was in 1985 when I first left the group, and so I had a meeting with the new record company. I had a meeting with A&R Cat, new record company, uh, had a meeting and, and with the new management company that I had hired. And uh, I went in, I was excited about doing my first solo project, shook everybody's hand. And I sat down and I said, first of all, before we get started in, in this in this meeting, I said, I, I, I want to say, I want to do a song to the Lord on this album. It was like, that's how you started the meeting. That's how I started the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so I want to do a song to the Lord on this album. And like it's it's like you can hear crickets in there. And this is eighty-five. This I don't know when Jesus' love came out, but this I mean, this that was eighty, but it, again, it was a rare move. Like yeah, you actually yeah, opened the door. <laughs> yeah. You you normalized it. Yeah. When you yeah. did it, then everyone started doing it. For real, for real. But but it wasn't but at the time it was like you know, I'm talking about putting, you know, Denise would do a gospel album, but right. then she'd go and she'd come back and do an R&B album. I was talking about combining, putting yeah. that on there, you know what I'm saying? And and uh, so, like, you know, this one cat starts talking, well, you know, Howard, you know, we might get into, we want to take your career in the sex symbol direction, might not be conducive to uh, religious overtones and this and that and that and this. And then my management's company, the cat from my management, he started talking because I hadn't even talked to him about this yet, right? And so I'm sitting again, I sit, I, I sat, I sat back and I listened. I listened to what they were saying. And all the time in my head, I'm saying, okay, Lord, you know, what am I supposed to do here? You know what I'm saying? And so when they got done talking, I said, you know what? I I hear you and I understand you and I can I can dig where you're coming from. I said, but maybe because because in my mind, too, man, is that these people got to promote my record. I don't want to get anybody, you know, yeah. you, know, you want to give them something that they're enthusiastic yeah. about as well. Yeah, sour about promoting the record and stuff. But I, but I had to stand, you know, I, I had to stand for what I had promised. And when I said, I said, look, I said, I understand it. I hear where you're coming from. This 1985. I said, but let me just, let me, let me go back and let me rephrase what I said. I said, let me say that I'm going to do a song. I ain't asking. It's like, I'm going to do a song to Lord on, on this album. My promise to him is 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 sits up here as far as like my priorities, and if it's like you know, and 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 I, I'm gonna do a song to the Lord on this album. So I said we can talk about everything else now, you know. So we talked about everything else, and then then you know we went away. Once once Monty Seward, uh, who who's co writer on that on that uh, on Say Amen, when we put it when we put it together, man, it was like. It was good, but I will say that it was 1985 around mm -hmm. that time or so, and then I, um, I I was dating this girl in in Miami. Lit was her family was in Miami, so I remember uh, we were going to spend Thanksgiving there with her family. She had moved to L.A. and so we were going to spend Thanksgiving. So I was in the in the studio, you know, all the whole day, and she had already flown down there, uh, and I was going to get on. The, on a red eye and meet her there, right? So I get on a plane and 
Monty and I had come up with uh, the the track, like a real rough track for Say Amen. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I knew that's what I wanted to be, you know, the, the inspirational song. So I, I jump on a red eye going to Miami and I, I, I get on the plane, I put my headphones on, I put the cassette in, I was, it was on a cassette, you know? And so I was listening to about three or four songs that I still had to write melodies and lyrics to. And at the end of that cassette was a, was like a real rough track of Say Amen. I mean, one of the, and it didn't even go all the way through. It just, you know, it was just a real rough track of Say Amen. And when it came on, all these lyrics started coming to me and it's like, you know, it's time to say goodbye for now. You know, we'll have our second time around, second time around, you know, we'll have our second time around. But before we go, there's something I got to say. Everything's not what it seems. There's a stronger force behind the scene. He's in our lives every day. He's right there when we call. And him is where my strength. And I'm writing and I'm writing. And there was this lady sitting next to me. And then when I got to the second, I, I got to the second verse where it says, talks about cattle on a thousand hills. My mom used to always tell me when I was a kid, she says, you're, you're the king's kid. You're the king's kid. You know, and the king had, he had, you know, you're God's child is what she was saying. Right. And there's, and she would always tell him there's golden cattle on a thousand hills and that's yours. You know, that's yours. Cause you're, you're the king's kid. That's ours. You know, we're children of the God's God. And so when I started writing that and I said, you know, I know there's some who don't believe sometimes it's very hard to see we live those live those life every day. Some things don't go away. But to be without is not his will. There's cattle on a thousand hills. Man, it hit me. I'm like writing. It's cattle on a thousand hills. It hit me there. Tears started coming down. And this lady sitting next to me, like, what the hell is happening with this? <laughs> She's like looking over you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know. Can I, can I move my seat or something like that? And, but by, <laughs> by time, by time it touched down in a, at a, a Miami International, lyrically the song was totally done. That's crazy because you know most people when they hear that song, no matter how many times they hear that song, they feel the same way you felt when you wrote it. Like it's one of those songs where it just yeah. catch you no matter where you are. Like shit, yeah. it's an ultimate. It's an ultimate praise song. But how did they go to a single? They didn't even want the gospel song, and then it became a single. Well, because they, they playing no, they were playing the album cut on black radio, yeah, right? Well, but yeah, they had to make yeah. so that black radio made it a single. Yeah, they played it. I mean, you know, Donnie Simpson ended his yes, show. He did, Donnie. Yes. yes, he did that. Every, and, yes, every he show did. he ended with it. a whole bunch of black radio uh, shows across the um, across the country. You know, uh, ended it with it, and and then I did it at, at uh, one of um. Uh, black uh, black radio exclusive BRE. Remember B-R-E. I was sitting, yes. I'm sitting Miller's things. I closed up the closed up the whole uh, uh, convention with that song. Oh and stuff. Lord! I remember and, it from uh, from like you did it also on the Robert Townsend Partners in Crime. Mm. Robert Townsend. That's right. Yeah, when Robert when Robert got in touch with me, that's what, because I still my boy. We 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 you know we really good friends still now. That's what's up, man. Uh, but like. When he approached me about it, he called and he called and asked asked for a meeting. So I went over to where he was doing some stuff and went into the office and stuff. And he says, "Man, you know, I'm getting ready to do my my uh, my uh, partners of crime, my you know HBO special." And he said, I, "I would love for you to do you know say amen." I said, "Oh man, that's what's up. Okay, that's cool. I love to do. I'll be honored." And then he says, uh, "I want to sing it with you." Uh oh. <laughs> 
Right. And it's in my mind, you know, do, do, do you sing? I mean, I don't know if you're singing that. Song. <laughs> and, and 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 I guess because I don't, you know, my face kind of tells all kind of stuff when I'm thinking sometimes, unfortunately. <laughs> but like, you know, he looked at me and he said, hey, man, you know, this is my first special. This is my first HBO special. And I couldn't find I couldn't think of any other way to thank God, you know, for this first wow. special. Wow. I'm singing this with you. And it came off so cool. Nah, it, it was dope. Yeah. And and what was interesting about that was that at the time when the Partners in Crime uh, uh, special aired, I was they my my second solo album had already been released. I Commit to Love was in the bin. Second mm -hmm. solo. Oh, album. Forever and Never was out. Forever and Never, yeah, Forever and Never okay. had already been released. But once the once Partners in Crime aired across the country. You know, record stores had to reorder I Commit to Love because everybody, flo you know, flooded in, you know, looking for Say Amen, you know. So. I was going to say, was 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 this the, this is pre-Sylvia Rones, this is like the Bob Merlin era of Electra? Merlin Bob. Mer mm, Bob Merlin, I always call him Bob yeah, Merlin. Yeah. Merlin, Bob was he there at the time or is it, no, well, I know was, Brock Presno was the head, but Merlin Bob wasn't there at the time, was he? Or did he come in like 88, 89? Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember him, but that I didn't know. I, I so don't. I mean, but afterwards, did they, of course, acknowledge that? Okay, you was you was on point with this. Mm -hmm. And you know, because Bob and I had 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 created a, a a routine of like, whenever I would start, whenever I get ready to start an album, right? I would I would call him if I was in New York. I go have a meeting with him. If I was here and he was in New York, we 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 talk on the phone and just talk about talk about the direction, talk about what I want to do, blah 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 blah. And at the end of every after say man, at the end of every conversation, Bob say, "Well, I uh, I know you're gonna do another one of those God songs, right?" <laughs> <laughs> and I say, "Yeah, Bob, I'm gonna do another God song. It's gonna be cool." <laughs> Because, so of course, after the success and the popularity of Say Amen, of course, it was it was everybody's idea then, you know, saying, oh, wait, wait. They took credit for it. Yep, yep, yep. So. Wait, before we wrap, I got one, or unless you had some final I had, content. Uh, I just wanted to say, man, um, show me. Yes, thank I you. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you know, like, how popular. Uh, that is, a, me and my wife, we dance. We Listen. do, like. Chicago yeah. Step. That is a very popular stepping song. You know what I mean? But yeah. um yeah. that's just I just a gorgeous song, man. Beautiful gorgeous. performance, everything. What was uh the inspiration yeah. for that and what was it like recording it? Yeah. John Nettlesby and uh mm -hmm. Terry Cofay. Yeah, you know, it was his writing partner, Terry Cofay. It was actually coffee. He spelled it C O F. <laughs> <laughs> but he wanted Cofay, so that's cool. That's all good, you know. So they wrote this track. I forget how we got, I forget how we connected, but they got this track to me, man. And like, and when, when I heard this track, I just moved into this new crib and I didn't have any recording equipment up or anything. So I'm like, I got this track and I was like, man, this track is amazing. It's an amazing, amazing track. And, and so I didn't have any recording equipment set up. So I had, but I had two boom boxes that recorded. You dig? Mm -hmm. So I laid down in the in the middle of my floor and up in my uh, up in my bedroom, and I had a like probably a bottle of red wine. <laughs> you okay. know those. Okay. 
And and I put one box on one side, one box on the other side, put cassettes in, and I started bouncing things, you know, from that. And I started coming up with with uh, you know, different scenarios, different things. I wanted to think about things that are romantic stuff that I wanted to do with my woman, for my woman, and all that. And like, and then that hook came, and that mm-hmm. hook was just so Money. undeniable, man. It was just, it was, you know, it was like you know, like you do some songs and it and it and and it's like fighting, you're pulling teeth to make mm-hmm. this go here and make it fit and you know, yeah. fit melodies and you know, uh phrasing wise. Man, show me was like butter. And it just wow. came down and was like, You got to let me know just how far to let this go. Help me <laughs> darling, please show me yeah. you know what I'm saying? it's like and then the video was like crazy man yeah, yeah. of course that video, i remember that video uh, <laughs> yeah of course it was hello <laughs> you, you, you know what time man. it was guys hated me <laughs> no yeah, yeah we did yeah very much so very much so i just wanted to say it, uh, if i was you show must be a very religious experience in the way that you put these songs together and the way that the at least the ladies or some of the fellas receive them live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, do you see that in the crowd? Do you see people responding in a way that's like, like not most shows? Cause- crazy. It's crazy. If I had a dollar for every time a cat came up to me, man, you helped me out, man. You, you <laughs> I'd be, I'd be a multimillionaire at this time. And like, and like I always say, you know, my thing is like, you know, some cats don't know what to say. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And so, so my thing is like, okay, I'll give you what to say. You can say, listen to Howard. Listen to Howard. Show me uh, once, twice, three yes, times. Yes, once, twice, yeah. three times. You know, yes. and and listen to Howard. Listen to him now. And I tell him, now I can get you to the bedroom. I can get you to the bedroom door. But you got the, to the do rest it. is up to you. I ain't going <laughs> in the bedroom with you, right? So <laughs> you know, I like to give your sisters always, all the credit. Yes. Yeah. And then when I do when I do the shows, I mean it's so it's so beautiful because you know I'm, before BC before COVID anyway, I would spend most of my time in the audience rather than on stage because I, I like to I like to feel my audience I like to have them participate and it's a beautiful thing because you know a lot of cats they they're there with their woman and they're with the lady and they're pointing come sing to her come sing to her <laughs> yes because you know, so. he gonna get some. Yeah, you know, yeah, because I she ain't going home with me, right? So. Uh, <laughs> love it. All right, wait, I I, I got to ask this one last question because you know I've asked one too many soul train questions, but I know that you took over the the theme to the show in '87 mm-hmm. with George Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, what was what was the well, like what was the process like? Basically, Don just asked you guys to do it, or like how how did but, that go down? Don asked George to do it, and then George asked me to do it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, okay. So it wasn't it wasn't a collaborative situation as far as that's concerned. But you know, George said George. You know, George and I wrote a bunch of stuff. You know, through the years and and bunch of theme songs and this and and that and and um, I mean, we did a a, a song for. Uh, he said um, he, he said Howie, I want you to come write these lyrics. You know, uh, for this uh, pop artist over in Japan. Right. I forget the cat's name. He said, but you can't get deep. He's, it's, this dude is not deep. You can't get deep. It's got to be shallow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. 
<laughs> Girl, so, I love you. You yeah, love me. Yeah, yeah. Baby, you on my mind. I think about that all, all the all the time. <laughs> I wrote this thing. Waiting, called, contemplating. <laughs> wrote this thing called New York Girl. You know, it's like it's like, okay. it's like you know, I can't even remember the lyrics, but but it no, was that's that's the perfect title. But no, with the Soul Train Award thing, uh uh Don George was taking over all the stuff as far as that's concerned. And then he asked me to come in and do uh do uh some ad libs and stuff on the uh on the social. Okay. So yeah. So what is it I guess in closing, what is it that you've what is it that you've learned that made you a wiser human being, like it just in your 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 journey mm. to this point that that's brought you here to this day that still has you here. You know, that's that's a deep question, because, you know, you learn so much on your way in, in different scenarios and different places. I think one of the things, though, that is most important as as an artist for me and as a man, as with your integrity, as far as that's concerned, is, is to let your yes be yes and your no be your no. You know what I'm saying? understand and do and say what you're going to do, what you're going to, you know, like I said in the earlier situation, my word was was worth more even before I knew that my word was worth more than than anything, any piece of paper I could sign. You know, your integrity will follow you through this business closer than anything else will. All you can do, you can do all that. You can have all the hit records you want, all the, you know, the love people love. But if you are, are a flaky person and and don't and and deal in uh, situations where your integrity is not, you know, intact, you know, it's it it doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't mean because at the end of the day, it's going to be about who this man, what you as a man is about. What are you about? You know, you can do all the music and, and people say, what do you want? What do you want your music? Want, want people to remember about your music? I want to remember the integrity of my music that I stayed. I stayed in a vein. I had people saying, you should put rap and you should put a rap thing and you should do some talk about, you know, sex and all this kind of stuff. No. That's not my lane. You know what I'm saying? My lane is like here and stay here and not. And and I have to it, when I got in this business, I wanted to be I wanted to uh, achieve longevity. I didn't want to just come in this business, make a couple hit records and then go laid out on the beach. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to work at it. I wanted to work the work ethic, what it takes to keep and stay and and keep your integrity in this business. And and um, as a man, you know, man, it's like, you know, where, I, where I've come as far as where I am now is that I can look in the mirror and say, I like that cat. He's cool. It's all right. It's cool. You know what I'm saying? And I've had my, 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 my craziness and all mm -hmm. that. But, hey, it's about, you know, praise God. That's, that's all I can say. Praise God. <laughs> That's all you can say, man. Well, thank you very much, uh, Brother Hewitt. I thank you thank for you. doing our show. Um, it's been a pleasure. Um, it's been my pleasure. It's been my pleasure. Sugar Steve, are, are you are you gearing up to say? <laughs> Sugar Steve knocked out over there a minute ago. <laughs> nah, that's just the weed talking. Oh, what no, do you got to no, say, no, Steve? No, 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 I'm, I'm serious. I'm on the, the scissor up tonight. So I, uh, yeah, I, that's I, right. You got a cold. I never right. went fully unconscious. But, oh, uh, that's right. You weren't. 
Wait, Steve, you're sick? Uh-oh, I told you, Steve, you weren't supposed to really tell people that. You're supposed to, you got to do disclaimers and stuff. You can't just put that out no. there. <laughs> just yeah. a cold. The good, thing, the good thing we're on Zoom. Right? No, that's it. But look, they work together, uh, though. I was they, just with day. Steve like three hours right? ago. So. <laughs> mm. yeah. no, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. I was going to say, Howard, man, like some years ago. This has been over a decade ago. I actually met you. I ran into you. Uh, it was real quick. It was at LAX. Mm. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was it was LAX. But you were just just as you are now, man. Super cool. And I just walked up. I was like, yo, man, I'm a big fan. And um, like you were just kind of low key. So I didn't want to blow your spot up. You know what I mean? Because I was like, all right, I don't want to make people notice. And then it's like 30 more people coming. So yeah. I just well, I was like, yo, I'm a fan, brother. He was like, oh, thank you, man. Like super cool. And I started to tweet. I was like, yo, I just met how you. And then I thought I was like. I don't know what he doing out here, so let me not. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to blow the right. spot up, it, whatever. <laughs> but uh, but I just, it was super like cool. Coming in sneaking, you know. Now. Right, right. But now. you were super cool, and uh, I just, I, was, I never forgot that man. And uh, just where you were a class act, and you still are. And I just thank you for all the music and for all your thank contribution, you. man. For real. Yes, Absolutely. thank you for the music. Thank you, brother. That's what, that's what I always say, man. We all in this thing together. Ain't none, ain't none of us getting out of this thing alive, you know. Know what I'm saying? So we might as well, might as well do this together and be as 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 cordial and and respectful and right, you know, as as possible. So unfortunately, some of my peers, you know, use their celebrity as an excuse to be rude to people. But you know, it's like, especially in this business, it's like we're not athletes. You know, sometimes athletes they they want people to hate them because they'll come to the stadium to hate them. But if, in this business, if somebody hates you, they ain't going to buy your records. That no part. So, Customer service, you know, sir. True. True. Exactly. So, well, we thank you for doing our show um, on behalf of uh, Scissor, Steve, <laughs> and, 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 and Unpaid Bill putting the kids to bed right now, Fontigolo and Laia. Uh, this is Questlove. Once again, the immortal uh, Howard Hewitt. Uh, on Questlove Supreme, and we will see you next go round. Thank you. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte. Make sure you keep up with us on Instagram at QLS and let us know what you think and who should be next to sit down with us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. All right? Peace. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.